morning, and, and thank you all for coming today. Um, we want to kick off 2010 by introducing a truly magical and revolutionary product today. From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode number 24. This week's show, this week's special episode, is brought to you by our friends at Igloo, an internet you'll actually like. Lynda.com, where you can instant stream thousands of courses created by industry experts. For a 10-day free trial, visit lynda.com slash connected and automatic. Drive safer, drive smarter. My name is Mike Hurley, and I have the absolute pleasure today of being joined by my colleagues, Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen. Hello, guys. And Mr. Federico Vitici. Federico, big day for you today. Hey, guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited today. <laughs> it feels like it's the episode I've been waiting for. <laughs> I'm starting to wonder if, like, the iPad, like, the anniversary of the iPad should just be your birthday. Yeah, I was just about to say, this is like doing a special episode about my birthday. <laughs> it's like and... the Queen of the United Kingdom. She has two birthdays. Like, she, she has, like, her official birthday and then a birthday that she just celebrates. So maybe you should have that. Wow, she's lucky. Because she can? Because like. she, Just because she can, yeah. So January 27th should just be Federico Vitici Day. That's what I, I like it. So today, of course, we are uh, celebrating five years of the iPad. Uh, long-time listeners of the three of us may remember that uh, on the iPhone's birthday, episode 30 of our previous show, The Prompt, we did a kind of play-by-play and a recap of the iPhone's introduction on its anniversary. And here we are today. After five years of the iPad, we're looking back at the iPad's introduction. And uh, we're going to talk about that a bit today. So when you built this OS, this multi-touch gestural OS for fingers, you didn't do it in a tablet right away. You did it in the phone. What was the... I mean, did you consider doing a tablet when you did the iPhone? Or or was it just a natural progression? The iPhone came out, it was a big hit. I'll actually tell you kind of a secret. Okay. Okay. Uh, I actually started on the tablet first, and uh, I had this idea of being able to get rid of the keyboard, type on a multi-touch glass display, and I asked our folks, could we come up with a multi-touch display that we could type on, I could rest my hands on and actually type on. And about six months later, they called me in and showed me this prototype display. And it was amazing. And I gave it to one of our guys. This was in the early 90s. I mean, early, uh, early 2000s. 2000s yeah. And uh, I gave it to one of our other really brilliant uh, UI folks. And he called me back a few weeks later, and he had inertial scrolling working and a few other things. Now, we were thinking about building a phone at that time. And... When I saw the rubber band, inertial scrolling, and a few of the other things, I thought, my God, we can build a phone out of this. And I put the tablet project on the shelf because the phone was more important. And we went and took the next several years and did the iPhone. So and then... And when we, got our, when we got our wind back and uh, thought we could take on something next pulled the tablet off the shelf, took everything we learned from the phone, and went back to work on the tablet. So, so that clip is from, from June of 2010, so about, about six months after the iPad was introduced, um, but only three or four months after it had actually shipped. And it's, it's interesting, you know, Apple, especially the Steve Jobs Apple, wasn't 
big on telling like behind the scenes stuff or historical stuff. Um, but then you have jobs talking about in this interview that an internal team was working on a multi-touch keyboard and they decided to put it on a shelf and use an iPhone first and then, and then come back to it. Um, you know, it's, it's a very interesting look kind of, you know, behind the curtain a little bit. And one that I think is, is pretty interesting, you know, that, that he's willing to say, Hey, you know what? Like this, we, we have this idea. It, spawned this other better idea for the phone and then after the phone came out we decided to circle back to this so i think that's that's really fascinating do you think that he intended to tell that story i don't think steve jobs was tricked into saying anything <laughs> no 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 reporters. like uh not that he was tricked but like he decided on stage like i'm gonna tell this story or do you think like he'd planned ahead to tell it i just wonder like because it just seems so he might be doing a good job of it, but it just feels like really off the cuff. It's like, oh, I'll tell you a secret. He seemed like the kind of guy you would decide on stage to tell stories to people. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we don't know. Uh, there's also this uh, uh, article from 2008 about the about the iPhone from Wired. It's a very popular article about how the iPhone blew up the wireless industry. And basically... Um, according to the article, in 2005, Steve Jobs felt really confident about building this phone from this multi-touch um, technology that the, some team at Apple had been working for a tablet PC. So we get a little more detail from this article about just the timeline because Steve Jobs never, I mean, he says in the, in the early 2000s, uh, according to Wired, that uh, that was going on in 2005 when he saw the first prototypes of multi-touch and he decided to keep working uh, with multi-touch, but on the phone. So about two years of development time between the first prototypes and the final iPhone. Um, Seems crazy fast. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. Apple bought a company, didn't they? Fingerworks. Yes. Which I think had a lot of this this technology that, that they then put into this device, you know, yep. whatever it was going to be. So I, I think that, like, looking at that process is so interesting to me. Like, in that clip, like Steve says, oh, and the phone was of a higher priority at that time, so we decided to put it on the shelf. It makes it sound um, less magic uh, because it's kind of, oh, we worked out a new business priority. And I, I don't know, there's just something about it. And it was like, oh, but doesn't Apple just like make things with like unicorns and stuff? Like you yeah, have but... business priorities and product <laughs> roadmaps. And it's like, no, Steve, <laughs> you're a hippie. This is also when Apple is working with Motorola on the on the iTunes phone, <laughs> the, 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 the rocker. Yeah, man. So, yes. <laughs> never forget, boys, never forget. It's not like Steve isn't thinking about phones it's just maybe they realized that the, the motorola itunes phone was really yeah you know pretty bad i'm my, pretty sure steven 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 do you have a rocker in your closet my brother had its sequel uh they oh, did a oh one called the sliver i think that had the same thing yeah the sliver seven um shockingly i've written about the rocker <laughs> but it was so bad and you know clearly apple like right there is that that idea I think when we look at Apple that um, sometimes like these things are just sparked into life, but very clearly like for Steve Jobs to say, Oh my God, we can do a phone with this. Like that idea, like that had to have been percolating somewhere, even if it was just in, 
uh, within Steve Jobs' brain. And, you know, we know now due to the book and some other things that, you know, there were multiple phone projects and one was kind of iPod based and one was, um, you know, kind of more of what we came to know as the iPhone now. And very clearly this work by this team on this multi-touch is what set the course for so many things. I mean, even the MacBook Pros that are sitting in, in front of us and the MacBook Airs, you know, they, they even use multi-touch in the trackpad. Very clearly this, this technology has just spread and, and, um, was so obviously in hindsight so monumentally important uh to the last decade of of apple products that you know that we've enjoyed but um but it's interesting and and you know like the like you know now you know currently we're talking about this 12 inch MacBook air um but leading up to the tablet there was a, a whole bunch of reporting on rumors and people hearing things about about the iPad, about the tablet project. Um, I mean, all the way back to like uh, like 2001, right, right Federico? Yeah, so um, I've, I've been collecting all the, the rumors that, you know, uh, led up to the, to the announcement of the iPad. So I started going back in time, basically, and reading all these old articles and reports and rumors. Uh, so this is before, um, just to, to, to offer some context, this is before... Uh, the huge popularity of the iPhone. This is before the iPhone in many in many uh, instances, and this is before uh, the Apple rumor scene sort of evolved into the next level with Nine to Five Mac and Mark Gurman and and you know all these yeah. names. Like the rumor scene then was just like people just predicting. <laughs> for yeah, a lot of it, right. <laughs> it was like, this is what I think will happen. It's not. It's not like it is now. Yeah, it's it's before nine to five Mac. It's before all these different components coming out of China every day, basically showing photos of Apple devices. So in two thousand and one, as Stephen said, uh, Kevin Fox, I think the guy used to work at Google. He had a post about the uh, basically a future Mac tablet, uh, which was kind of the idea, right? Because there were uh, Windows tablet PCs, and of course, people were saying, "Yeah." Apple should do a, a Mac tablet. So is uh, predicting basically that Apple will do this tablet running OS X with no CD drive, uh, but with dual speakers, USB ports, and uh, five-hour battery life, uh, wireless connectivity, it'll cost $1,000. So these are pretty much uh, standard speculation. What's really interesting yeah. that it's that nine years before... Um, the actual iPad announcement. Uh, Kevin Fox used the name iPad in his in his theories. Yeah, uh, it's crazy, <laughs> kind of surprising. And I confirmed by going back with the with the Internet Archive, uh, the Wayback Machine. Uh, it's not that he changed the 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 post, you know, in 2010, just to pretend that he's a, that he's cool and is like a wizard. He actually did use the name iPad. So. Congrats to the guy, I guess. And, you know what he does as well? Like, he even does the Apple thing, right? He doesn't call it, it's like, meet the iPad. It's like, meet iPad. Yeah. You know, like, that, 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 the way that they name them that I hate so much. <laughs> yes. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's the worst. too weird. It's too weird that he was able to do this. Yeah. Because so much of that is spot on, and it's so far, be- like, a, in, like, before. <sighs> crazy yeah he Nine he years. even gets the resolution of the original screen right i mean it's <laughs> it's, it's crazy uh, i mean this guy might be able to time travel uh, <laughs> um yeah. but you remember in 2001 too like this is 
This is not that long after the Newton met its demise. You know, the Newton was canned in uh, February of 1998. And yes, I knew that before looking it up. Um, side by side. Wow. Yeah. And so it's, you know, to say that it's going to be a Mac tablet, you know, the Newton ran Newton OS, totally different operating system from, from the classic Mac or OS X. And for, so, you know, 2001, the transition to OS X is well underway. For him to say, hey, it's going to be a Mac tablet, not only is that impressive in hindsight, but he's saying, you know what, it, it, it needs to run OS X. It does not need to run this crazy, like, Newton OS that had all these weird paradigms and handwriting recognition and, like, crazy stuff. I mean, the Newton still is, like, insane in some of the technical details. But he's saying this needs to be a Macintosh that is a tablet, um, which is a thread, like, that, that Mac tablet thread yeah. follows these rumors through the next decade. And in a way, the iPad will run OS X, but still. Um, 2000, 2002, Steve Jobs' interview with the International Herald Tribune, um, this, uh, this journal, uh, this uh, newspaper is asking about uh, tablet PCs, and Steve Jobs says that he doesn't believe, he's not sure that tablet PCs will be successful, and he says, uh, this is really interesting, actually, uh, he says that the tablet PC market has turned into a notebook where you can t- uh, where you can write on. And he asks, "Do you want to hand write all your email?" So it's not that Steve Jobs is dismissing the the, the idea of the tablet of the tablet entirely. It's only it's, it's basically saying the current crop of tablet PCs they're just like notebooks with with handwriting features. Yeah, like the Newton was. <laughs> Yes, exactly. It's interesting because... <laughs> he canned it. He canned the Newton. <laughs> yes. And, um, of course, we couldn't find the original uh, link to the interview, but there's a Mac Rumors article from 2002 because, man, Mac Rumors has been... Has been, been around. ...writing for a long time. So, like, to set the, kind of the, the scene of this, like, PC, tablet PCs at the time, they ran, like, a modified version of Windows XP, but for all intents and purposes, it was just Windows XP. And it just had like an inbuilt uh, touch recognition, but the touch, in, like the touch screens, all the touch interface was resistive, resistive touch screens. So they all needed styluses to use with any efficiency, and they used like handwriting recognition in some instances to like turn writing into text. But you know, we all know how bad that's always been. Like even today, yeah. it's hard enough to get it to work. That kind of stuff. So in two thousand and two, it was even worse. I kind of want to handwrite my email and just see what happens. You should just do, write all of your email in paper and just send people <laughs> PNGs. Just like so you just get handwritten notes from you. <laughs> you know, a friend of mine, um, we were talking a few days ago and he told me that he got a job um, for this guy who basically doesn't use a computer and it's basically his assistant now. And he told me that this man wants his email to be printed on paper. So when he needs to reply to email, he prints out the email from the computer and he brings the, 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 the email to, to, this, to this person who handwrites a response at the bottom of the, the, uh, the sheet of paper. And then my friend has to digitize uh, the response into the, uh, the email app. Your friend has a terrible job. Yes, I told yeah. him that. <laughs> yeah, it sounds really he's, awful. He's a computer butler, basically. <laughs> Yeah, basically, yes. So 2002, 2003, I'm just going through these rumors, guys, because 
whole lot of rumors here. Um, Ian Betteridge uh, talking about uh, an article that made the rounds in the in the Apple blog scene. Um, it was an article originally posted by Matthew Rothenberg, and it, basically the author was suggesting again uh, a Mac tablet running OS ten. And according to this uh, to this specific rumor, Apple was going to use the Inkwell technology. Uh, that I'm pretty sure, Stephen, you know this macOS 10 Jaguar Inkwell was the handwriting recognition system created by Apple. Any, any, oh yeah. Any... It's uh, again, it's it's Newton based. Okay, so there's. <laughs> um, according to this specific rumor, coming in Macworld 2003. Um, it's an eight-inch iPod, basically that runs OS X. So yeah, um, 2003. Robert Cringely, um, this is a well-known name. Uh, there's the link uh, of the original post at PBS.org. Um, according to Cringely, it's going to be, um, of course, another tablet from Apple, and. He says the tablet PC killer app for the mass market is functioning as a digital hub. He has a bunch of theories about this Apple tablet playing, uh, being connected to the living room with the Macs and iPods. Um, and according to Cringely, it's coming at Macworld 2004. So he was way ahead. <laughs> yeah, it was. A, it was. A, uh, anyway, um, I, I, I don't want to poke fun at these guys. It's just context. Well, I mean, I guess we have eight years of knowledge on them. But what's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, what's what's interesting about about that article in particular is, you know, the digital hub was a was a strategy put forth by Steve Jobs in the early two thousands that the 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 computer and his you know his argument was the Mac was going to be the digital hub of things like music, photos, uh, and video, and so that's that was sort of the banner under which iLife was introduced and. You know, say we have FireWire, so you can put your home camcorder in here. Uh, we'll have a link to the um, to the video where where Jobs announces that. And so to say that the tablet is going to become that just a few years after Jobs said the Mac was going to be it is, you know, sort of like buzzwordy in, in hindsight. But even in, I mean, even today, you know, uh, there are articles recently saying that you know, hey, iOS is becoming that, or the cloud is becoming that, and. Um, so that digital hub one just kind of jumped out at me a little bit as um, as being an interesting uh, an interesting conversation piece. There will be an incredible amount of links for this week's episode, and if you do want to follow along, uh, either check your your podcast app of choice or point your internet browser over at relay.fm/connected/slash twenty four, which is where you will find those links. Two thousand and four, guys, and it's the time for patents. And of course, as with any new Apple product, the company uh, files just any idea they have. Uh, the first instance I could find in 2004, uh, a filing made in May of that year for a handheld computer, uh, and the, the filing has sketches of what looks uh, basically like an iBook, uh, which used to be Apple's line of computers, not the ebook reading app that we'll cover in a bit. Uh, it looks like a notebook without the, the, you know, the body of the computer. And it's totally a mod book, bro. We love the mod book, yeah. our friends. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's Steven's favorite device. Um, 
So just to offer more context, this is uh, the time when, in 2004, when Steve Jobs is downplaying rumors of a new Apple PDA and where everybody, as we said, is talking about this OS X tablet uh, coming with FireWire and USB ports, but no CD. Because people, people have actually been you know, talking about the death of the CD for a long time. So that part of the rumor scene was accurate. Uh, there's not going to be, you know, uh, a CD drive in the Apple tablet. 2005, more patterns from Apple. Uh, there's sketches of people holding a tablet. It looks like a thick iPad. So there's that. And 2006, more patterns, this time for Apple multi-point touchscreen tablet patent. And also another one about gestures. So I found this one interesting because there's a bunch of gestures in this filing that actually ended up in the iPad. There's a pinch open, pinch close, and then there's, of course, other crazy stuff like a like a dial interface that basically you put the fingers on the screen and there's a like a, a dial that you rotate. It's like a software version of the click wheel or, mm-hmm. and I'm sure, Stephen, you will remember this, there used to be an old Mac app called Sapiens. Do you remember that? It was like an mm. application launcher with like a dial on screen. And it was, I, I think, free and open source, maybe. Anyway, it's like a software click wheel. So we never we never ended up getting that. Man, um, I love the pictures, the drawings of the fingers in this. <laughs> it's so weird. Like, what is that yeah. left hand doing? Like, it's wrapped around and there's like an additional finger coming in from the other side. Like, what is going on? It's just yes. hanging out, man. Yeah. 2007, Christmas Cena, a mock-up of what the Apple tablet could be. So this is uh, after the iPhone. So at this point, we're starting to see these weird mashups of Apple tablet concepts running OS X and also parts of iPhone OS. Uh, some sort of hybrid device. Um, according to Chris Messina, he's been thinking about this new Apple tablet, and it is going to feature a pure software keyboard. And there's a, I, I managed to find his original gallery of uh, mockups uh, on Flickr, and a couple of things that I <laughs> that I found. Uh, You're like a detective, Federico. It's also called creeping. Um, <laughs> A couple of things that I liked. Uh, he's arguing about dashboard widgets based on CSS and web technologies. So, yeah, uh, we, we only had to wait, you know, for iOS 8 to get widgets. Uh, and also dashboard, LOL. Am I right, Stephen? Um, hey. <laughs> and there's a mock-up. There's a mock-up, guys, of a cover flow. Remember that guy from OS X? <laughs> I have no idea why, this, why cover flow still exists. Like, is there still uh, CoverFlow? I generally don't know whether CoverFlow yeah, is still around. Yeah, it is. Uh, I actually didn't know either, so I have a Yosemite machine in front oh of my me. God, and, uh, it does still exist, and it's still terrible. Um, it's it is only terrible. useful for scanning through <laughs> images in a folder. Why does it this exist? No, thumbnail view is way better. Mm, maybe. So I don't know if you if you remember this, but at one point ASUS helped Apple making the tablet. I do remember this. <laughs> <laughs> this is 2007. Uh, an article from uh, CNET.co.uk. So this is from your people, Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, we get all the best scoops. Yeah, ASUS is uh, helping Apple making the tablet. So we arrive 
in 2008, there's a, from Apple Insider, rumors of a Safari pad. Uh, this is, again, after the iPhone, so after people have seen a mobile version of a Safari running on, on, on smartphones, and the iPod Touch also. Let's not forget the iPod Touch. Um, according to this uh, particular rumor, uh, it's uh, the Apple tablet, or the Safari pad, as they call it, it is going to be a big iPod Touch. And it, 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 it looks like uh, according to this to this article from Apple Insider, the New York Times reporter who inquired Steve Jobs about this uh, tablet project at Apple, uh, it sounds like um, Steve Jobs snapped at this guy because he asked this question instead of asking about the MacBook Air. So also a, you know a bit of gossip uh, sounds really interesting. 2009. I like I like the name Safari Pad. Safari Pad, yeah. You could see where it came from because even we're, we're going to get to it, but even in the keynote, most of the time they're looking at software. He is looking at Safari, and kind of the pitch is, uh, you know, you have the the internet sort of right here, and so you could see how Safari Pad kind of kind of could come into someone's yeah. mind. Internet communicator, bro. Exactly. And also, again, people two years before the iPad already saying it's a big iPod Touch. So, you know, it's, an, it's not like it came out of nothing. Uh, April 2009, Steve Jobs is now on medical leave from the company. And the Wall Street Journal says that Apple is working on new iPhone models and also a new portable device that is smaller than laptops, but also bigger than the iPhone and the iPod Touch. Also, this, this is probably my favorite part of this entire compilation of rumors. May 2009, Gene Master, way before his obsession with the Apple television, uh, he said that the Apple tablet, which many other pundits and rumor blogs were saying it was coming later in, the, in 2009, Gene Master actually predicted that the Apple tablet would cost between $500 and $700 and that it was coming in the first half of 2010, so the following year. And I, I was really happy for Gene in, in, you know, in reading that he was once correct. Maybe that's, um, this is why like anybody still pays attention to him today because that <laughs> one, time, one time he, he nailed it, <laughs> yeah. you know, and he might yes. do it again. So, <laughs> I mean, if you keep saying the TV's coming, at some point... Could be right. Yeah, Federico, did you check that he hadn't said that every year since 94, though? Like, I just want to double-check that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. Okay. I didn't. So who knows? He could have okay, been saying so it for ages. Right after Gene Master, I want to talk about this other analyst called Stephen Hackett. Mm. Not familiar uh, with that guy. <laughs> discussing the Apple tablet. Uh, Stephen, do you want to tell me what, you, what were you thinking about? Because you were actually correct. It's not like you're making crazy predictions here. Uh, it's just you sound a little old. I do sound a little old. Um, because the, the idea of running OS X on a touchscreen, like there are things that are attractive about that. I think to this day, especially dealing with some of the, the more powerful applications, like something like Adobe Illustrator, where there's not a, a real... Um, you know, there's not a real alternative to that on iOS. There's some things that, that kind of get there. And so that was, I think, my thought at the time of um, it'd be great to see OS X apps, but the reality, like I said, in 2009 was that this is going to run App Store. And at the time, 2009 App Store equaled iOS. Um, app Store apps, um, 
And so, so yeah, but I, again, like I think someone put in the show notes that I was, I was sort of, that sort of hints at, again, the idea of being an iPod touch, uh, yeah. a bigger iPod touch, having the same functionality of the iPhone as opposed to the Mac or even something in between. Yeah, because you were saying I'm already taking my my iPhone with me in in meetings and other uh, I'm doing work stuff. So right. if I can have a bigger screen than the iPhone, it's going to be even better. Uh, so yeah, the idea the idea was accurate. So now I'm going to start using precise dates because these are the months uh, and the weeks leading up to the iPad announcement. Uh, September 28, 2009, iLaunch, talking about the Apple tablet. Uh, they say it is going to be it is going to be called the iPad. Uh, it is going to be a 10-inch device. There's going to be different models for 3G and Wi-Fi, and it'll run iPhone OS. New York Times, uh, October 5, 2009, uh, talking about the, the the tablet PC market in general. Um, the, according to New York. To the, to the New York Times, Apple has been working on this uh, Swiss Army Knife tablet since at least 2003. So even before the 2005 date that uh, Wired reported in the article. Uh, but basically these tablets that, that, Apple, were, were, that Apple was making were... Um, they had problems with the battery and, and the performance wasn't good. Uh, so they were using PowerPC microchips made by IBM initially. And the New York Times has uh, details from these previous Apple engineers. And according to multiple stories, they report in the piece. Um, one that really stands out is that uh, Steve Jobs commenting on, on supposedly on, on commenting on tablets. Uh, at one point at Apple, he asked whether tablets were any good besides surfing the web in the bathroom. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> they are really I don't know good about you that. guys, <laughs> but my iPad is really good at that. <laughs> <laughs> just saying, just throwing that out there. So as usual, Steve Jobs, uh, visionary. Um, late 2009... <laughs> Uh, this is really when rumors start intensifying every day. There's a new rumor every day. There's a new theory. I was around. I I just started writing Mac stories a few months before, so I was really into you know this whole let's follow Apple rumors thing, uh, and it was crazy. December twenty third, two thousand and nine, just before Christmas, but Boy Genius claiming that there's going to be one hundred percent a seven inch iPad, a seven-inch tablet coming definitely next year. So that this is kind of awkward. Uh, December 29, 2009, Islate.com, a domain name registered by Apple, uh, is found. And it's found, of all people, by this kid, this teenager called Mark Gurman. So this is his uh, first scoop about Apple rumors and Apple, Apple devices. And uh, it's interesting because a lot of people were saying, yeah, it's going to be isolate. Uh, it's going to be the name of the device. And of what course, do you guys it, think of, yeah, what do you guys think about that name? Isolate. Isolate. Yeah. Uh, it, I don't think. I, I've always thought it was weird. Yeah. But I mean, we we can maybe talk about this later, but I've, I, I still don't like iPad, but I, I actually don't think iPad is much better than isolate. Yeah. I think neither of them are very good. Didn't Microsoft respond by 
announcing a bunch of slate. They did uh, slate branded tablets, but then they didn't go anywhere. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think it was HP uh, stuff at a CES. They did it twice. Yeah. They announced it, and then the next year announced it again because uh, it never shipped. Um, yeah, yeah, I've got a link to uh, Gizmodo talking about it. <laughs> that's, that's like you pivot and use that name, and then I wonder if Isolate was the name, and then Apple changed it. Um, it's interesting to kind of think about what could have been could have been there. Yeah. Anyways, same day, December 29th, two thousand and nine. Big day MSNBC. for rumors, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that was the day. <laughs> Great day. Uh, I found. A clip from a new segment on TV, MSNBC. Let's just play the clip. Let's talk about Apple. What are you hearing about this new tablet, Isolate? You know, we've been going back and forth on this whole tablet idea for at least six or eight months now. There's always new rumors, new ideas, new speculation. The latest is that they're going to have an event in late January where they may or may not unveil this tablet, which may or may not be a 10-inch kind of touchscreen device that may be kind of a big iPod touch or kind of a stripped-down tablet-sized MacBook. Federico Vitici, huge fan of MSNBC. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm watching every day from Italy. Cat- I, I, cataloging I, yeah. for yeah. future use. <laughs> so you can see it's just a big iPod touch already. It's, it's a thing, as people were saying. It's, a, it's, it's going to be just a bigger iPod touch. And uh, there's exi- excitement and all that. But people want, to, people want to understand what the tablet is going to be. And a big iPod touch makes sense to people. Are we going to talk about the big iPod Touch thing later? Because I have opinions. Let save your opinions uh, for for later. You keep Michael. your mouth shut, boy. This is my rumor segment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost. On, I promise. I just we're 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 getting to the main event. Daring Fireball. I don't know if you know this website. No. Uh, John Gruber had uh, two really nice articles about the iPad, uh, and as it was called, the Apple Tablet before the announcement, and John, as usual, was correct in saying that the tablet uh, was going to be Apple's reconception of personal computing. Um, So yeah, this is when speculation about the iPad was really, really strong and intensifying every day. And John also talks about, you know, um, is the iPad going to run Flash? Is the iPad going, you know, uh, Safari and plugins and all this other stuff? We're going to talk about it later. We enter 2010, January 8th, uh, after the holidays, the New York Times is back with rumors and they say that the Apple tablet will have lots of gestures uh, because according to conversations with uh, several former Apple engineers, Apple has been working on this new, and they say somewhat complex, new vocabulary of finger gestures to control the tablet. Uh, And as you said a few minutes ago, Mike, uh, it, it seemed like these gestures were going to be powered by the acquisition in 2007 of a company called Fingerworks. And according to the New York Times, there's going to be an Apple event at the end of the month. And of course, 10 days later, on January 18th, 2010, Apple sent invitations for a media event to selected members of the press. And the invitation uh, read, come see our latest creation. There is a copy of the invitation graphics at Engadget. And make sure to read uh, Joshua Topolsky's theories about the meaning of the invitation. That's always funny. CBS, 
January 20, uh, 27, 2010, the morning of the Apple event. Let's play the clip. You can see what we think we know here, a 10-inch touchscreen, very thin, a book reader with movies, TV, and music, six to $900. An internet provider could be Verizon, could be AT&T. We're hearing a lot of speculation on could both. potentially open but, up But, you know, we're going to wait and see this afternoon, as so, they say. All right. And then maybe we'll know a little bit more that yeah. we can really pick your brain. Apple's going to have to shock and awe with this one. Oh, you know? That guy. So, that guy. What, <laughs> that, what, like, who is that guy? <laughs> what you don't see, what you what you will not getting from from the podcast, from this audio, is the mockups that he decided to show for the iPad. So this is just a few hours before the event, and is is he decided to show this crazy mockup of an iPad with a weird keyboard. And actually not an iPad, an Apple tablet with this weird keyboard and, and all these different theories. And he says, yeah, people have been having fun with Photoshop. Well, like he shows one with a scroll scroll wheel. And like <laughs> at this point, we have the iPhone. We know yeah. <laughs> that we don't need a scroll wheel anymore. Like That's the best part of it, really, I think, is that, is that, that you know, mock-up. You know what's really strange? It's that 13 hours before the event the iPad actually leaked. There were pictures taken, we don't know by where or how, uh, pictures surfaced on these uh, Chinese forums. I think uh, the, the forum board was uh, weiphone.com. Uh, and it was uh, pictures of these uh, iPad units into some kind of enclosure, like some sort of security enclosure on a desk running the maps, the Google Maps application. Man. And this was crazy because I remember clearly I was on Twitter. I was waiting for the Apple event uh, and Gadget, I remember. In, uh, in fact, I used the, the, the Twitter link from uh, Nilay Patel back when he used to work with Joshua Topolsky at Gadget. When he tweeted, and people were saying, yeah, this is it, this is it. And, and it's so weird because it's, there's the Apple event in 12 hours and we have pictures of what really looks like an Apple tablet. You know, it's got this curved back, it's made of aluminum and it's running this bigger but also different version of iPhone OS. And it was crazy. I remember like people on Twitter and on Apple blogs before the event, this was crazy. I'd have, I'd bet that this is coming from people that were testing, like the yeah. the demo companies, you know, like the companies gotta, like EA or whatever be. that come on yeah. to demo, because like it's all locked down, right? So it's like because you, you don't need to see it. Because we've heard yeah. stories like that in the past, right, where they just kind of take you in and they hide the way that it looks and they just lock it down and all you can see is this screen. Like I'm, I I don't, can't think of where it's come from off the top of my head, but I know that there's <laughs> been stories like that, you know. <laughs> It, it kind of looks like if the if the army built an OtterBox case for an iPad, <laughs> like this is what it would be. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, the and thing, like, if you got to click on this link, it's like, it's like in a metal iPad sandwich, and it has I don't know two dozen screws holding it down. Like it's it's really crazy. Um, I love that they screw it like that because it's like, are they leaving anybody in the room on their own with that? I don't think yeah. so. Well, like, my favorite, my favorite part about this, in hindsight, is that it has an iPhone four sitting on top yes. of it. Yes. Oh my God, so good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, very clearly, like now that we know what the iPhone four look, would look like, 
clearly not a 3G or 3GS sitting on top of this device. Very clearly an iPhone 4. So, you know, maybe it was a, you know, pre-production in the factory type thing, but that's well before the iPhone 4 shipped. So it's... Um, it was the iPhone 4. I don't see that. Oh, yeah, there it is. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's let really me tell nuts. You this story. Let me tell you this. Back when, because a few months after this, Gizmodo uh, did the whole, we stole the, we bought the stolen iPhone 4. Thing. Remember mm. that story? Uh, yeah, of course. So when Gizmodo posted the the original article, this is the iPhone four. It took like people a few days, and then I don't remember who did it, but basically someone on Twitter was like, "Actually, you know, remember the old iPad pictures? There was the the iPhone four in there." So people realized after a few days after Gizmodo ran the 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 piece, and it was just crazy the, these ipad pictures it was like a whole story with consequences and people kept talking about it even with the iphone 4 so yeah i, I would huh. pay I, I think i would pay not not much you know because i don't have the kind of uh savings but i would pay to know like the, the story behind these ipad pictures <laughs> and let's so wait, let's wait for the follow-up next week and see what happens yes yeah, yeah we'll probably get some some crazy story about you know secret agents and and stuff like that it's the army so, bro it's the army we so we we're now at the point where uh, people are waiting on twitter people are following live blogs and there's going to be an apple event and there's going to be steve jobs and all the, the you know the apple gang walking on stage and to announce we don't know what there's a colorful invitation graphics. There's banners at the Yerba Buena Center, and yeah, this is this is the context. This is uh, the rumor, the rumors, and and the, you know the theories that Apple was was about to to either confirm or deny. The stage is yeah. set. All right, so let's take a moment to thank our first sponsor and then we'll get in and talk about the keynote. This week's episode of Connected is brought to you by lynda.com, which is used by millions of people around the world to learn awesome things. lynda.com have over 3,000 courses on topics like web development, photography, visual design, and business. All of their fantastic video courses and tutorials are taught by experts and new courses are being added to the site every single week week. You'll get unlimited access to their already existing and completely growing library when you sign up at lynda.com. Why would you want something at lynda.com? Well, let me give you a few a few scenarios, if you will. Maybe you're looking at this year, the year ahead, and you're thinking, I want to get a new work-life balance, or I have a hobby that I always wanted to learn, or maybe I want to get into podcasting, maybe I want to develop an app, maybe I want to find a new job or improve some skills that I already have. This is what lynda.com can help you with. They have something for everyone. You'll get unlimited access, and you can view these on your computer, on your tablet, on your mobile device, with their apps for iOS and Android, so of course you can watch them on your iPad if that's something you'd like. And you're listening to us today, we're talking about the iPad, and you're thinking, I have that great idea for an iPad app. Well, this is what lynda.com can help you with. They can maybe help you learn iOS app development. They can help you with Swift training. They can help you with a whole course on how to go from start to finish of developing an iOS app. Or maybe, like, shh, don't tell anyone, maybe you want to learn how to develop Android apps too. Well, they have all of that. Maybe you want to go cross-platform with that new fantastic idea of yours. Well, they can help you with Android apps as well. 
I mentioned Swift a moment ago. They have courses on comparing Swift and Objective-C. So Linda can help you with how to start looking at taking your current Objective-C app and port- putting it over to Swift. But then maybe you're going to need to learn all the design stuff too. They have courses in Illustrator. They have courses on Photoshop. Then maybe you want courses on uh, how to market that app. Well, you can do all of that. You can do everything. Linda.com is awesome and they're going to have what you want. So do something good for yourself right now and sign up for a free 10-day trial to lynda.com by visiting lynda.com slash connected. Thank you so much to lynda.com for supporting this show and Relay FM. We want to kick off 2010 by introducing a truly magical and revolutionary product today. Watching this keynote again, um, when we were in, when we were preparing for this, I had a jolt of emotion, and it was an emotion that I remember that I had at the time, because Steve Jobs comes out on the stage and he looks like a completely different person, because he'd been away for a long time. Stephen, how long had, had Steve been away? You know, I, I actually looked. I was looking up the timeline. I couldn't really piece it together, um, but I didn't look all that hard either. But he, I mean, 2010, he's been in and out at least once. Um, yeah. For the music and event in the in September, I think. Yeah, I, I think that's the yeah I think that's the event where he comes out on stage and there's a slide that says "Rumors of my death have been greatly yeah. exaggerated," <laughs> which is yeah. like pretty awesome. Uh, and he puts his blood pressure at one point up on a slide. Um, but yeah, this is sort of in the that era of you know Steve had been sick and and what we know now you know was sick again. Because um, people are starting to get worried now, right? Like this is this is the yeah. time. I think he'd been on. Was he on his like extended leave of absence or, or whatever they call it's, it? At that it's point, it's in that. It's in this. It's before this. But yeah, this is right. all kind of in that that time period. And I, I, Mike, I had a very similar, uh, very similar reaction. In fact, I, I rewatched the key. I've watched it the keynote about a week ago and rewatched it last night with my wife. And I told Mary, I was like, you know, like. It, it was weird for me to watch this, not only because I hadn't watched any Steve Jobs video in a while, I'd forgotten some of his mannerisms, but, you know, very clearly was having a hard time with some stuff. And, and But that doesn't, like, that's immediately, like, tamped down by the fact that he's so excited. Yeah. Like, he is into yeah. the meat of this event in six minutes. Like, yep. he's obviously pumped very clearly... Uh, you know, we saw with Tim Cook this this past year with the watch. The watch is very clearly Tim Cook's baby. The iPad was very clearly Steve Jobs' baby, and you see that ring all over his face the second he starts talking about it. Yeah, because it's like you know, as we've learned from the like the other clips and the other stuff we've been talking about, like the iPhone was a fantastic success, and you know he he brought that to the fore. But like the iPad had been Steve's idea like years and years before, you know. So it's like for him, it's like finally I got this yeah. out there. And as well, you know, yeah. we don't know what his state of mind was like at this point. He may have been, you know, understanding what was going on in his life. And I know this is a bit morbid, but like kind of happy that he was able to to get it done, you know? Yeah, maybe. I mean, um, I know it's a bit. I love how I love how every time, and this is, I, I guess, it's especially noticeable when when it's a big event. Like he walks on stage and he sets the tone for what the day is going to be like. And then he's like, I've just got a few updates. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and everybody's like chuckling before because everybody's yeah. waiting for the main announcement and he's it's got slides with, with numbers. And yeah. Yeah, it's it's always funny. <laughs> which you know, most most of these numbers, iPod totals, number of stores, like 
it's kind of funny now to see how much Apple has grown. But I, I when I watched this for the first time last week, I, I literally laughed out loud. He's showing a picture of an Apple store. And he's like, it's before it's open. He's like, it'll never look this good again. <laughs> like yeah. the, the idea that Jobs like really liked the stores until people were in them and ruined them <laughs> really, really made me laugh. Yeah, because it's like, wow, you guys, are like, why, why can't we just leave them closed? Like, <laughs> people can just look in them. Yeah, it's it's a really pretty museum. <laughs> like, um, you know, I think the most interesting one to the three of us, at least, is the um, at this point about 18 months after the app store had launched had just passed 3 billion downloads with 140,000 apps in the store. Federico, do you know what, what those numbers are currently? How many apps are in the store? Uh, 1.4 million apps. Uh, I'm not sure about the number of downloads. Yeah, so just move the, just add as, you know, move that decimal point over in that number. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's weird too, to think about, uh, we'll get into the software in a minute, but how early this really was in the App Store. The iPad, the first iPad shipped with uh, iPhone OS 3. I mean, the the iPad really, in hindsight, came pretty quickly after the phone. And I think these numbers kind of kind of re- reminded me of that a little bit. Yeah, it was like the second generation of the App Store was, is, what's, is what it shipped with, you know, because we, yeah. got, we got the App Store in OS 2. And, you know, so it's quite interesting to put that into context like the app store hadn't been around yeah. very long it was doing well but it was it was yeah. new right and so and so many people were saying oh we don't know if the ipad is going to launch with an app store right away uh because people had the you know the the precedent of the iphone which launched without an app store uh, which was released as a software update after developers had the time to actually buy an iphone and you know test the sdk on it and so i remember uh, a few people were saying maybe we won't get an SDK right away and we will have to buy an iPad and just, you know, uh, actually test software on a physical iPad. And yeah. other people were saying no, because Apple learned from, from the, you know, from the past, they're going to offer uh, development tools right away and we will just have to figure it out in, in Xcode. Because yeah. really the App Store didn't ship until... Uh, it shipped alongside Mobile Me and the iPhone 3G. So I mean, the it wasn't until that we had the second uh, hardware, you know, the, the the first hardware revision, I should say, until we got until we got the App Store. And, and that's one of those things that we look at these things in hindsight, and that sort of thought of oh, you know, it won't have an App Store on day one. Like very clearly in hindsight, a dumb idea. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you look and see where Apple was, and you know now it's easy, right? It's easy to sit here like years later and say, well, clearly the trajectory, you know, was that it would have had to have an app store. Um, what is interesting though, in this part of the keynote, I want to see what you guys think about this. Cause you know, having watched this a couple times recently, this part still like rubs me the wrong way a little bit. So, okay. so jobs is up there and he's, he's pitching that Apple is the biggest mobile device company in the world. And he, he counts iPhones, iPods, and then MacBooks. So he says, yeah. you know, most Macs are laptops. Those are mobile devices. <laughs> yeah. Because of that, we're bigger than so- Sony, Samsung, and Nokia. I don't know yeah. why like, he felt he needed to do this. It's like puffing his chest out and, and making up numbers. That's effectively what he did. Because it's like, well, you can put a Mac, an iMac in a truck, so it's kind of mobile as well. Like, <laughs> it's kind of, I, I don't know, I, I think it's kind of, I don't know why they felt they needed to do it. Like they felt like they had to legitimize themselves in some way on that I day. I think that's why. I think I think that he did it 
because he wanted to say, we're the biggest mobile device company, and that, that automatically gives legitimacy to the tablet that I'm getting ready to, to introduce. But I still, you know, and this is not a metric, you know, I've watched a lot of Apple keynotes over the years. This is not a metric that Apple ever uses again. Like, he says it this one time, in my mind, it doesn't really land very well. And, you know, Apple says, you know, later on, hey, you know, we're, we're the, you know, the most profitable smartphone company. We, you know, we have more mobile devices than anyone else. But never again does he link the Mac to this, like, mobile device category. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, it just, I don't, it just was weird to me in hindsight, you know, rewatching. And I kind of, it kind of irritates me that that is, that is uh, talking about the, the Mac as a mobile device instead of a portable device. Yeah, and yeah. So technicality. He's trying to make an uproar. Yeah, technicality. yeah. But it's it just feels like he's trying to make a point and to forcing to yeah. force this point because hey, we are bigger than these companies. And to me, it feels like one of those things that Steve Jobs, because he's is from the old guard of of people in the valley, they want to compare to these other companies and just like reinforce the fact that Apple is a you know is a. Uh, is in the the big leagues now, and yep. they can go against Sony and Samsung and Nokia. But like the thing is, in two thousand and nine, if there is a set of companies that Apple doesn't need to compare themselves against, it's these ones because, like at that point, none of these companies have credible answers to the iPhone, especially Samsung. Exactly. Well, and well, no, Nokia. <laughs> I was going to say, especially Nokia. <laughs> Nokia is, um, is is the the real trailing one. Yeah, but at, at least point. they still sold a whole lot of phones. Yeah, they did. They did. But it's like if you were looking at, at what was the future, you know, you're looking at like, well, what's the... Yeah, but Samsung had a lot of... They, they sold... They, they did pretty well with cell phone sales, the same as Nokia did. Obviously, nowhere near as good as Nokia. Um, but yeah. it, it was just... It's just so weird that he felt that he had to like... It's... Yeah, it's just... It's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, but, it, you know, it's... It, he kind of makes it past that and we get to... Um, we get to the event itself. And and I noticed when watching this, it was about six minutes into the event, which is about how long it took Tim Cook to get to the iPhone 6 at the watch event, you know, uh, blowing through the previous stuff and getting right into the uh, the topic. And and I, for one, um, I love the reveal here. You know, with, with the iPhone, very famously, it was the three things that were really one thing, you know, the, um, the widescreen video iPod, the... But internet communicator, you know, it's all one device, you know. Um, and he, here, like, we have the image in the show notes. It's <laughs> it's a, a quote from the Wall Street Journal that says, last time there was this much excitement about a tablet, it had some commandments written on it. It's a picture of Moses holding the Ten Commandments over his head with lightning shooting out of them. <laughs> like, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a funny way. It's like, hey, this is what we're going to be talking about today. Um, and it, you know, I think the, the longer he's gone, the more I realized that Jobs had a sense of humor when it came to this sort of thing. You know, yeah. like when the iPhone four, you know, was you know the Gizmodo thing. He says, "You think you've seen this? You, you ain't seen this." And he plays the uh, the song a day song with the with Antenna Gate, and there is sort of a level of playfulness here. And again, I think that goes to that Jobs is genuinely excited about this product because it has fingerprints all over it. So he goes in, and uh, Steve Jobs knew I'd be watching, and so he goes back to 1991. So he says, we're going to do a tablet, and then the next slide is a PowerBook from 1991. Um, 
And he says, Apple invented the modern laptop, which is interesting. Remember, in 1991, Jobs isn't at Apple. Jobs isn't next. Um, and he starts talking about these um, these interfaces that, that Apple has has pioneered. And he, do, he you remember, he does the same thing in the iPhone keynote. He talks about the mouse. Mm-hmm. He talks about the click wheel. And then he talks about multi-touch. And he kind of does it again here, but in a, in a little bit of a different way. Um, which is is interesting. What? How did that? How did that hit you guys? You know, neither of you were born in 1991. I don't think so. I uh, no, we. Uh, I know, I know. I think I think I I enjoyed the parallel to the iPhone keynote um, in this regard because I think what it, what it does and and I think the reason it worked then and the reason that it works now is it shows that Apple is a company that is about refining and perfecting. So he, that, you know, like showing, oh, we looked at our historical devices. We looked at the things we've done in the past before we started thinking about what we'd do in the future because we took what worked and we took what didn't and now we've made a better product out of it. Because it's like, it's, it, I like that that through these, through all of these big product announcements, like, you know, that, that Steve did with the iPhone and the iPad, he was drawing a lineage back to everything he's ever learned. And it's like, this is all, all of my experience to date has allowed us and all of our experience to date has allowed us to create this product. I like yeah. that. I will say, uh, last week I, I I tweeted that uh, the I miss trackballs, and like people were like, God, trackball users are crazy. Don't mess with those guys because they're like, no, trackballs are awesome. I have one on my desk. What's uh, uh, what's the name of those old uh, laptops that used to have like a little nub? ThinkPads, man. Yes, ThinkPads. They still yes. have them. They do. Oh yeah, they still yeah, make yeah. Them. When oh I, god! In my wow. old job, I had one, and uh, I had I had one of the little uh, what are they what are they actually called? Uh, uh, track point. Yeah, so track I, I had point? a track point, and it had a, a track pad. This is so yeah. confusing. Wow. And can I did, can I tell you guys a secret? Just, just me and you and the okay. <laughs> many many people listening. Okay. Um, I really like ThinkPads, and I really like the track point. And if I were to run Windows, I would own a ThinkPad. Well, ThinkPads were always were always the best. But I, I mean, the one that I had, the trackpad worked terribly. The track point worked amazingly. And I used to yeah, use it every day. It's super fast because you don't have to move your hands from the keyboard but down to the trackpad. Yep. It's cool. It's nice. Anyways, so like, yes. you know, it gathers up oh, yeah. speed. on its, it's, it's awesome. This yeah. was actually Anyways. an episode about the post-PC era. We're going. We're going post post PC. Okay, <laughs> back to PCs again. <laughs> so he moves from that. So he, like Mike, like you said, he sets the stage of look. We know what we're doing. We've been doing this for a long time. We have pioneered all this stuff. We are standing in a wealth of history. Um, and he he goes into sort of this conversation of the the categories. So he he sets the stage of you know we have smartphones and we have laptops and everybody has a laptop and everyone has a smartphone. And is there room for a third device? And he he lists off some some tasks that a third category of product would have to be better at. Everybody uses a laptop and or a smartphone. And the question has arisen lately, is there room for a third category of device in the middle? Something that's between a laptop and a smartphone. And of course, we've pondered this question for years as well. The bar is pretty high. In order to really create a new category of devices, those devices are going to have to be far better at doing some key tasks. They're going to have to be far better at doing some really important things, better than the laptop, better than the smartphone. What kind of tasks? Well, 
Things like browsing the web. That's a pretty tall order. Something that's better at browsing the web than a laptop? Okay. Doing email, enjoying and sharing photographs. Video, watching videos. Enjoying your music collection, playing games, reading ebooks. So I don't know about you guys, but Steve Jobs reading a grocery list of features isn't nearly as compelling as the pitch for the original iPhone. It's not as epic. That's for sure, I think. Yeah. And, you know, these things, so he says, you know, internet, email, like this whole, this whole list of like, I think it's seven things. Um, he says that a tablet would need to be better at these things for to be a viable product. And he uses those as, um, as the springboard to talk about, talk about the iPad and to talk about, um, specifically <laughs> why tablets are better than netbooks. I think for me, this is the, like the, this list of features is the, um, the part that feels the mo- like the oldest in this, like when I when I when I see the slides and when I'm seeing Jobs talking about categories and you know specific features, it feels like it was a long time ago, uh, and like it feels like it was a, a like a, an an age before the explosion of smartphones, like in popularity and in and like I, I guess of mobile in general. Because this feels like it's trying to find all these different tasks that people want to do, uh, and it feels like it's 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 a bit limiting, you know, uh, because people want to do everything, not just you know these seven features, and like there's some stuff that feels old to me, like when he's talking about enjoying your music. It doesn't say listen to music. He says enjoying your music collection. And that 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 like yeah. you you hear that and you go, yeah, that's before music streaming, that's before all these other services that you use today. So even if, even if five year five years is not a long time ago, in mobile, I think, and especially for Apple, it feels like a like a decade ago, like two decades ago. It's it's it feels like a long time, and I th- I think this list and this slide and the way that he presents these features, it feels really old. It it does, and he he so he he moves from these categories and he says, well, what about netbooks? You know, netbooks are what some people say are, are the solution, and uh, he has a, an answer for that. If there's going to be a third category of device, it's going to have to be better at these kinds of tasks than a laptop or a smartphone. Otherwise, it has no reason for being. Now, some people have thought that that's a netbook. The problem is, netbooks aren't better at anything. (laughs) They're slow, they have low quality displays, and they run clunky old PC software. So they're not better than a laptop at anything. They're just cheaper. They're just cheap laptops. And we don't think that they're a third category device. Yeah. And so, so again, this is something we're five years on, like netbooks. <laughs> we know now that netbooks were already fading, that the iPad in many ways killed them, even though Chromebooks are kind of a That's thing. It. Now we have the Chromebook, so. Yeah, yeah, I've got netbooks one. Uh, back, baby. I got one right here, actually. Um, <laughs> 
And he, he attacks the speed, he attacks the bad screens, and he attacks what he calls clunky desktop software. Um, so what Jobs has done in this section um, is is he has set the bar for what, what a tablet, what his tablet needs to do software-wise to be a success, and some hardware things that could set it apart and set it above netbooks. And I, I think at least... While the overall sell, I think, is weaker, I think that he answers all of these points as, as we move forward. But we think we've got something that is. And we'd like to show it to you today for the first time. And we call it the iPad. I mean, I, I kind of already showed my hand at this a little bit, but I remember at the time thinking, like, Man, the iPad, like that just... And I know there are all those jokes and and I I don't really think we need to go into that, but I just don't think the iPad says anything. Like that name, it says nothing. Like iPhone, it's like, okay, I get it. It's like iPhone and then, you know, like book, you know, you kind of get it, like MacBook, iBook. There was something about it, like it made sense to me in a way, like it's kind of like a book. Like what, well, like a pad of paper? Like what are we calling as a pad here? Like, I don't know, I, I... I'm not. I don't think slate was the right, right term. I I think it was interesting when uh, when you brought up Federico uh, when when John Gruber like he I believe he thought it was just going to be called the tablet right the Apple tablet. And- uh, John Gruber and I think other people also really liked the idea of uh, Apple Canvas yeah. as a name. Canvas is actually quite nice, and and I think if this was today, that it would be called something like that because. Mr. Mr. Cook's regime is moving away from I, right? You know, you've got like Apple Pay and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so I think like if it was today's product, it might be called Cam- Canvas is a great name, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think it shouldn't have had I. I, I think even then it was maybe that, that was a bit long in, in the tooth at that point. Um, so I... I the name now it's like the iPad is the iPad and it's like the name means nothing. But when I, even today, when I think about it, when I think about that name, I'm kind of turned off by the name. You know, I, I think it's one of those things that I've sort of settled into it. I hated MacBook Pro as a name and now it's MacBook Pro with random display. Like it's a whole sentence. It's not a name. But, you know, as things age, you just kind of get used to it. Yeah. Um, you know, I do think, guys, we need to take a moment here. Um, and we need to recognize someone who was in the crowd. Fist pump guy, if you remember from the iPhone keynote. Um, I think he was sick, maybe, or he wasn't around, but his cousin, fist pump mm-hmm. guy's cousin, he was, he was here. Whistle guy. I happen to have one right here. So the guy, you know, like, this is, you know, Jobs is showing it for the first time. Um... And I, at least, and I think, Mike, you were as well, I was a little underwhelmed. Yeah. So, right, okay. There is nothing this design, that this device could have looked like other than what it looked like. Like, there, there is nothing. Like, this is how it needed to look. But the thing that I really didn't like the look of was the bezel, or the bezel. I think it's called bezel. Um, the bezel, yeah. <laughs> the bezel. Uh, that was really thick, like, 
crazily thick. And I know that Apple kind of made a reason for it, but I think in later years they've shown yeah. that they don't believe that that was ever true. I think so, it's kind of like this is that, all we could that, do. That, uh, Your iPad so, right now has like a piece of paper between the screen and the edge. Like that that thick of right. a bazel. But I don't think is, is needed. Why are we calling it that? It's, um, it's so, so man. Get to keep up with the jokes. It's, it's the correct so, pronunciation. They sold it as where are you going to put your thumbs, right? Like, um, But they, they have been able to slim it down first on the iPad mini and then on the iPad Air because iOS can now sort of ignore accidental exactly. input. Yeah. And so I think it was a thing where if they could have done it software-wise, they would have. But did, what about the iPhone at the time then? But I think the other... He's just ignoring my question. I am. <laughs> but the iPhone at the time didn't have bezels that were that thick. But you, you hold it differently, nah, I think. Nah, that's yes, I don't that's think so. what I don't I'm trying so. to say. And More of your thumb is on the screen. <sighs> I, think, I think that... <clears throat> I think that part of it is that the iPad, and in this keynote, um, they show the iPad can be held in any direction. Mike, why don't you like the bazel? I just yeah. think it What's was too problem? thick, man. And and I think that designs today have shown that like Apple agree with that. But anyway, I also didn't like the uh, the way that the, the home screen just looked yes. like a, a big iPod or an iPhone, and space is huge between them. I would like to register a complaint. What? Why? Can I can I register a complaint? Yes. To this day, the very day. The iPad does not keep your icons in the same place when you rotate the screen. Yeah. So if your instant paper icon is all the way on the right and then you turn it, sometimes it's on the left at the, on the next row, and that drives me insane. Bro, if you think that's bad, <laughs> you need to you need to take time with a six plus, right? So six plus, you've got four icons across the top, and then seven down the side. When you rotate yeah. that, right? Imagine what happens then. You've got seven across the top and four down the side. It is literally impossible to remember yeah. where that's going it's I mean, like i'm not a computer scientist or i'm not an engineer but like it it really it really bothers me and and i don't know and and you know the all throughout this like jobs is rotating the device like he, i mean in almost all the demos he says this is what it looks like in portrait this is how it's in landscape um can i can i just say one thing guys i'm sorry because Today, I mean, we have the iPad Air 2 and we've had like five years of iPad and we say that the iPad was really thick. But if I remember correctly, a lot of people were impressed with the thinness of the, the original iPad back then. Uh, sure. And, uh, and like, like if, you, if you read all the reviews, they're like, the iPad is super thin, which like it's doesn't make any sense today because we have all these new devices. Yeah. But I think back then, like, some people, Mike is correct, some people were complaining about the size of the bezel and, like, it's it's too wide and, you know, th those sorts of complaints. Uh, but the thinness of the device, I think it was, it was, like, people were impressed, I think. Yeah, and I think that, I think part of this is that we, we have seen, at, in 2010, we've seen, you know, three iPhones at this point, um, and we kind of understand that iOS devices are a screen and then like everything required to power the screen, but nothing more. And so the fact that the iPad was relatively simple looking, you know, I read, um, a bunch of re reviews of the original iPad over the last couple of days and all of them are like, it's really like minimal. There's nothing here that doesn't need to be here. And that 
I think leads to some of this of like, you know, with the original iPad and every iPad sense is kind of boring to look at, but it's, that's not the point. The point is that it's the screen and everything happens on the screen. And it's all about the, the multi-touch glass and, and the rest of it is just has to be there. Um, and so that's the part that Apple keeps shaving off. So let's, uh, we're going to come back to the hardware, but, but so job shows it up, uh, holds it up, shows it. And then he, uh, he starts to talk about it and the brilliance of this keynote. And the reason this keynote stands out most in my mind, um, is the way that Jobs demos the iPad is in a a big comfortable chair with a little table next to it. You know, it's not standing at a desk. He's not walking around the stage like he is with an iPhone or an iPod, but he is sitting in chair. His feet are up, um, and he's he in that very like simple change to the, his presentation style. He is conveying so much about what Apple viewed. Uh, how Apple viewed the iPad as, you know, as, as someone has said, it, it's not a, a, a lean forward device. It's a lean back device. And I think jobs wanted to portray that this is a relaxed thing. You don't have to be hunched over your desk. You're not clutching it in a hand as you walk down the hall, but you're, you're at home and you're, you're relaxed and, and the tablet just kind of sits in your lap and you can hold it. And it's a very intimate device. And that, and that's a word that he comes back to as he moves through, uh, through some of the software stuff. That was an intern's, that was an intern's life that was made hell for like a month trying to find that right chair, man. Oh, I guarantee it. Yeah. That guy, <laughs> that guy like rage quit. <laughs> the original iPad was too heavy to hold it with one hand without, without your leg behind it. So he's using his legs as a prop for the iPad. <laughs> oh. That's really smart. In, in um, hindsight. Sick burn, bro. <laughs> I mean, it was heavy. It, it was, was heavy. heavy so. It was heavy. Yeah, so he he gets into um basically right off the bat, he starts with with mobile safari. And and in hindsight makes obviously a ton of sense. And and even in the iPhone keynote, they spend a lot of time on Safari saying, Hey, look, this is the whole web. This is not some like janky browser on a Blackberry, but this is WebKit. This is the internet, you know, and he starts on that with the, um, with the iPad, but in hindsight, it, it, it drags out a little bit. Yeah. So we all had to watch this video, uh, in preparation for this show and we all had to endure watching this so yeah. you now get the pleasure of listening to it and here we are right at the new york times you can see how fast it is and i can just uh scroll around here and look at the whole front page of the new york times anywhere i want to go anything i want to make bigger i can make bigger if i want to go into a story i can just touch it And I go into that story. Back to the front page. And so I can browse around the New York Times so easily. It's really great. I go down here. You know? <laughs> See what's happening today? And again, just so easy to go into a story like this. See the photographs, read the story. It's that simple. 
During uh, uh, whenever we watched it um, last night, uh, my wife watched part of it. I think this is about the time that she just got up and went to bed. <laughs> like it's so, it's so painful. Welcome to episode one of Steve uses the internet. It's <laughs> yeah, just the worst. It's the worst. What's really convenient? What's really convenient is that is you know is using this uh, idea of holding the internet in your hands which is like a recurring theme in the in the whole keynote but what i don't like in hindsight in looking back at this video is that it is saying you can you can look at an entire web page uh using the ipad but of course in practice uh, once you got the device in the demo steve was using an ipad uh showing the New York Times website and it was not a Retina iPad because it was the original iPad with standard resolution screen and is like zooming out, uh, zooming in and out of the web page. So if you try to read something like the, the New York Times on the original iPad in portrait mode with no Retina screen, it wasn't really super comfortable to read. And you had to double tap to zoom into, you know, like the small text on the on the Times webpage. Uh, it, like, it makes for a good demo because the camera shows the iPad from a distance. But if you try to read the small text in practice, you need to pinch and you need to double tap to zoom. So I think Apple is, cre is clever, you know, to, to show a whole webpage. Uh, in portrait mode, uh, because it was the full web page. Yeah, it just wasn't super comfortable to read. What's interesting yeah. in in like com comparing this to to the way that they introduced this with the iPhone is when they were saying you know you can see the full web. What they were talking about was it's not WAP, right? It's not this like an internet that doesn't look anything like the internet. And then when they're showing off the iPad, what they're battling battling against is horribly uh, designed mobile navigation. You know. Like yeah. the fixed navigation before responsive that people would do, where they'd try and spoof it to look like an iPhone app. Oh my like, god! That's what that's what we're battling against. The real web is not that, right? So that's kind of like yeah. just an interesting thing. Is like originally Apple's battling against WAP, and then later they're battling against themselves. Yeah, right. A, a whole website in the palm of your hands is yep. what Jobs says on more than one occasion. It's even in the the Johnny Ive Scott Forstall White Room video later. A twenty five minute long. Video, oh I mean. gosh yeah it's it? super long um <laughs> eight whole minutes man <sighs> so we see safari and then jobs gives us a tour of the built-in apps so we see mail photos calendar contacts maps youtube and videos all shown off and if i could be honest with you guys it was all so boring i didn't even make any clips for the show like it's it it's weird right because they have to build the case that the ipad is easy to use but they can't rely on on iOS to sell that for them because we already know what iOS can do and what iOS looks like. And so he, what Jobs is doing in all these in all of these apps is showing how it's different than the iPhone, but again, not as compelling because we we've already seen this stuff. We already know, we already have iPhones in our pockets at yeah. this point. Nothing was different enough that that it heralded people needing to go crazy over, right? And not that there's anything wrong with that because part of the beauty of the iPad was you'd already trained iPhone users like that. You know, that's the reason yeah. that it runs iOS, right? It didn't run iPad. Yeah. It oh, run, ran iPhone OS. I, I think Jobs even says that. Like, we already have 100 million people yeah. who are going to know how to use this. Because they could have made an iPad 
OS and you know it probably would have been better suited to the iPad and yeah. it would have thought about it in completely different ways but they had it, that Newton OS lying around exactly still. <laughs> you could just strap up the inkwell and let's go crazy but like you know it's that would have been that wouldn't have been uh, a very good idea but what it does is it leads to kind of like a, a demo which which when you're showing off the kind of the the universal or what was in universal kind of applications that Apple made uh, it kind of drag it drag along a little bit. So many yeah. people, many people thought that Safari was the like the killer app on the iPad because it was so impressive that it lets you, uh, it let you saw, it let you see a, a full web page. And like, there's a review from Topolsky at Engadget. There's a Jason Snell. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this guy. Who's sorry? Uh, uh, Jason Snell. Nah. Um, I think he used to. I uh, used he used to uh, drive around Cupertino at the time. Um, he also reviewed uh, iPads and iPhones mm. for a website called Macworld. Um, so he said, you know, uh, the Safari was like just something different uh, in holding a web page in your hands. So people were impressed with Safari, and I actually kind of, you know, it, it was ironic in seeing the the the, the Flash uh, plugin errors. In the in the keynote, uh, like Steve casually ignoring the, the, the flash boxes in the, in, the, <laughs> yeah. in the Times and other websites. I think it even gets a chuckle at one point. Like he scrolls yeah. past one, and people are like, "He's <laughs> <laughs> like smirking." Flash, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And but the other software, um, I, I think you guys make a good point because it was nothing terrible, terribly innovative, in, in, like original, you know. I mean, of course, it's got a calendar. Of course, it does mail, and of course, it lets you see more stuff than the iPhone because the screen is bigger. That calendar, man! Oh, yeah, when oh, it came up, on, my eyes on, nearly fell on. out. Hold on. <laughs> so it's it's it, it kind of looks obvious, you know. Of course, it does these things, but also maybe like the 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 same argument that you go, of course it does this. Maybe it's also a benefit, you know, because it should do these things. And now I don't know if our perspective is being altered by the fact that we we know iOS 7 and this new design and now iOS 8 with all these new features and we look at this stuff and we're like yeah it's boring and it's and it's difficult for me to remember exactly the feeling that I had when I first saw you know the calendar and mail I remember that I was impressed with Safari especially because it, it looked impressive it, it was not super readable and I needed to zoom into web pages to you know to see actual text but I was impressed. And the demo in the keynote is just too long, I think. Yeah. And it's it's like, oh my God, can you please finish? And I think it's like <laughs> the same feel the same feeling that you get when they invite uh developers on stage from other companies to demo stuff. So the only advantage here is it's that it's Steve Jobs, you know, so it he, he actually manages to entertain people in in, in a way. But even if it's Steve, it's still, I think, too long and boring. You know what it, it felt yeah. like? Like, you know, when at WWDC, they show off, like, or, or like they show off Mountain Lion, and then they have an event like three weeks later where they show off Mountain Lion again. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. why are you doing this? In case this you didn't see this, guys, let's, <laughs> let's just run through the yeah. exact same demo we did three months ago. Right. It's and like, there's. It, in hindsight, two things really struck me. And one, we mentioned earlier that he rotates the iPad at least a lot more than I do mine. But he, 
there's also a lot of silence in this demo because like you heard a couple minutes ago with the browsing, that's true throughout these. He's like, he's tapping on things. He's um, showing things and he's sort of letting the iPad speak for itself. But yeah. it, it again, this whole section, and thankfully it's, it's almost over. We're going to be in hardware soon. It's, it's just, it doesn't land well for me. Yeah. I, I like, I understand like the way you feel because in considering like uh, how I felt at the time, I, I, I think I, I, today I have the same thought, like, I'm not sure about like the software that I'm seeing here. And, but also like, I try to, uh, to go back and read like original, like first impressions after the keynote. And a lot of people, in spite of the silence, right, in spite of, like, this section feels weird, uh, thought that we, that, we, the, that we all have, I think. A lot of people reacted to the keynote as saying, yeah, the iPad strength is that it becomes, like, the device becomes the app that you're using. So the calendar makes the iPad turn into a physical calendar. And when you're using Safari, you're holding a web page. And when you're doing mail, yeah, you know, you're doing th- that kind of stuff with messages, like there's paper sheets. Like the software, we think it's boring today. At the time, it made the iPad even more than the iPhone. It made the iPad feel as a, like a device that can become multiple things. And Mike, for me, I think I'm for us that, you know when on virtual we talk about Kirby? Yep. The Nintendo character. So Kirby is basically nothing. It's like a pink blob. And the peculiarity of Kirby is that it can absorb enemies to turn into different characters. Like you can absorb a knight and Kirby wears a sword and like a helmet. Or you can absorb an archer, an archer and Kirby as like arrows and stuff. So in a way, the iPad is like Kirby. It's basically nothing. It's like a screen with bezels. And in this case, Mike doesn't like the bezels. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But the screen and the software that today we think it's boring, and maybe at the time the keynote was not structured so well, but the iPad can turn into multiple things depending on the apps that you use. And an obvious benefit, but also limitation depending on how you look at it, it's that it runs one app at a time. And so it, that, I think, is a mainly, you know, a hardware limitation, uh, but it's also a design decision because, you know, there's no multitasking, there's no split screen. Um, but yeah, uh, it was a, was, a, like, was a strong metaphor. It becomes what you want to use. The iPad is really thin. It's a half an inch thin, and it weighs just one and a half pounds. That is thinner and lighter than any netbook. So can I, um, can I share something with you guys? Yeah. Okay. So I know we make fun of Mike for having a purchasing problem, but right here, I'm going to tap it. I have an original iPad I bought on eBay. Here. <laughs> Look, I want to now state for the record. That where, of where we are in, in, in our lives. You are now the one with the problem, not me. Because you no. are buying, recently, you have been buying so much crazy stuff. And iPod I, Classics? 
Yep, and then I listened to you on on Mac Power users give a basic inventory of all your old hardware. Like I buy new current dumb things, right? That I play around with and then get rid of them. You buy old stuff that you just put in a closet. That's uh, not untrue. So I have some some thoughts on the uh, the iPad hardware. Um, and Jobs introduces it, and to Federico, to your point earlier, it was definitely crazy thin, uh, definitely crazy light. But again, five years later, we know that this thing is gargantuan. Uh, it'll be in the show notes, um, uh, a little photo gallery I've done of this versus an iPad Air 2. And it's sort of <laughs> shocking how far we've come and, and not so it's not so much time. But holding this thing, um, it's still like if you forgive the weight of it, it's still really comfortable to hold with that with that curved back, even though it seems weird now and like you sit it down on the table and it rocks around a little bit. Yeah. It it really is a nice looking piece of kit. I think part of the reason for the curved back was like when they did the iMac, you know, it makes it look thinner. And, and it makes it feel thinner, yeah. which is, I think, even more important with this, holding it. Uh, and look, my thumbs rest on the bezels. Um, this iPad on, up on eBay has definitely been open, so like the screen sort of clicks in on one side, which is, hmm. I'm sure that's fine. But um, what, what impressed me when I got this out of the box was really how good the screen is in some certain ways. Yes, it's not retina. Yes, it's not bonded. Like You could drive a car in the space between the glass and the LCD. But it it looks pretty good. I've done some reading on it. In fact, most of the research for the show I did on this iPad. Look at you, you can read on it. Really, wow. really like getting deep Commitment. into the into the yeah, subject. Yeah, I will tell here. I will I will tell you a lot of modern websites like it's running iOS five. Uh, really choke on the the slower processor and with only two hundred fifty six megabytes of RAM really just like uh, poops out pretty quickly. Was this the thing but that it, you've been saying that you've You've been teasing. Yeah, uh, I've had this. I've, I've I've been testing this original iPad for <laughs> several weeks now. Wow. Um, but what's really impressive, and I even wrote about it in my in my review of it back in 2010, is that the screen is really bright, and the the IPS. So, um, you know, you can sit this thing down or watch a movie on the bed, and we take for granted now that you can, you know, see the screen from almost any angle. You know, sometimes on like a laptop screen, if you're like laying down and the MacBook's up on a thing, like it, it looks inverted, right? Because the colors don't. You know, don't work correctly from certain angles. But even with this original iPad, the color is so good. Um, you can really read laying down with it like in parallel with you and still see everything. Um, seems really great. So I gave my original iPad to my mom. And I think it, this was like two years ago because she was, she was asking me for a, a new computer and I was like, just use my old iPad. And you know, because I'm a terrible son and I didn't want to, to buy her a new MacBook. Um, so you, you guys know that I'm into this whole process of finding loopholes to use web services for free. And like web services that you're not supposed to use in Italy, I find ways to, to keep using them. So uh, back before when I think Spotify was not officially available in Italy, or maybe it was a thing about like Spotify radio and Spotify premium. Anyway, I found a way to let my mom listen to music on Spotify uh, without paying or without using a VPN. And I think a few months ago, she called me and she was like, you know, the, the, the music thing on the iPad stopped working. And 
so I went to check on 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 the iPad, and basically I think she updated the Spotify app uh, on the App Store on iOS five. Still, yep. is that five point yep. one? Okay, uh, so she updated the Spotify app and basically that, like it changed some settings or maybe like it reset some sort of cache or plist file. Uh, she like the loophole was closed and she couldn't listen to free music anymore and she was sad. And but it reminded me that the original iPad like I I, I spent like an afternoon trying to understand what was going on um, because it you know it's like it. Uh, I set up that system like many, many months before, and it reminded me. It reminded me of just how nice the the original iPad is, but how yeah. heavy it is today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and like, and my mom is still using my my original keyboard dock, <laughs> which I know is an unpopular opinion. I actually kind of love the the keyboard dock of the yeah, iPad. So I'm sorry. Yes. No, no, we'll, we'll we'll make it back to accessories. So the the big story here, though, is the the A4, which is Apple's first uh, custom chip. Apple had bought um, PA semiconductor before this, and remember, this is pre iPhone four. And in reading these reviews, and we've got uh, the Daring Fireball one here, is how people were like blown away by the speed of this thing. iPad is powered by our own custom silicon. We have an incredible group that does custom silicon at Apple. We have a chip called A4, which is our most advanced chip we've ever done that powers the iPad. It's got the processor, the graphics, the I.O., the memory controller, everything in this one chip, and it screams. And you can have 16, 32, or 64 gigabytes of flash solid-state storage inside the iPad. And I will say, guys, like... Yes, sort of uh, the Safari sort of chokes when the, on heavy JavaScript uh, websites, and yes, the the RAM is really limiting. Like opening native apps on this and like blasting around settings and stuff. Like the iPad, the original iPad is st- still feels relatively fast. It, it, it's not nearly as fast as a modern iPad, but it's it's not the same as using a computer that's ten years old. You know, it. it it holds up, and I think that's a real testament to why Apple did this. You know, this is their first foray into custom, uh, a custom chip, and and they say in the in the keynote, you know, that you know we get to control the whole stack here, and, and clearly that that pays off in things like battery life. What is the battery life of this remarkable device? We've been able to achieve ten hours of battery life in this one and a half pound device. 10 hours of battery life, which means I can take a flight from San Francisco to Tokyo and watch video the whole way on one charge. It's pretty nice. A couple other interesting things that I'd forgotten. You could get one up to uh, 64 gigabytes. The 3GS at the time only went to 32, so you get 64 gigabytes of storage. Uh, and it launched with 802.11n um, as opposed to just B&G. So pretty, pretty decent uh, wireless out of the box. And uh, what everybody loves, the 30-pin uh, dock connector. I had to uh, use my iPod Classic cable, which you know I had handy because I'm me. But um, it, it, Steve Jobs says, so it plugs into the entire iPod ecosystem. <laughs> like, in 2010, <laughs> that's still what it is. Um, but I think most interestingly is that this iPad and my, my Retina iPad Mini, which is sitting right here next to it, have the same battery life. Um, 
which of course Jason Snell spoke about. And and I don't know about you guys, but I was really impressed. You know, in 2010, laptops were not getting the kind of battery life they do now. So 10 hours like just seemed to last forever. I think it was impressive at, at the time. Uh, I think it should last more today, um, especially when you when you use the iPad like for work, uh, like every day. Uh, it it's like it seems that the battery is always you know running out, and I feel like. It's been, uh, what, three years since the first uh, Retina iPad, and I feel like instead of going after this crazy thinness, even if it's super welcome, like I just wish that at some point they would just go uh, against that self-imposed limit of 10 hours of battery life and just maybe try to do at least 12. Uh, It's always that couple of hours that, like, I just wish it had those two extra hours to to work more or to to play more games. And uh, but it was impressive. It was impressive. And I will say, holding this iPad and and thinking about like the the Air Two and even the iPad Mini, I don't think Apple is so much concerned about weight or about thickness as they are about weight. That making this. making these things easier to hold in one hand, like, you know, reading iPad reviews, like laying on my couch the last couple of nights on this thing. Like, I mean, this is like super first world problem, but it, it's a heavy device compared to what we have now. I think Apple has been all about making this thing lighter. Um, and the thinness is just sort of a byproduct of that. But I do think Jason is right in his post about, you know, Apple is solving for battery life and, and very clearly an iPad is supposed to get 10 hours of battery life, or if it has, you know, this, you could do 3G. Now, of course, you can do LTE. So you have nine hours. And, um, you know, that was kind of another thing I'd forgotten. I'd forgotten that the original iPad had 3G. I feel like not a lot of people that Mm -hmm. I saw at least went with that compared to now. And, you know, I've got an LTE iPad mini, and I love having uh, Verizon data on my tablet. Um, But what's also interesting is something else I'd forgotten is that this iPad does not have a camera. There is... Huh? No, no can yeah. There's no camera. <laughs> Which you know, the iPad Air two event, they talk at length about people taking photos with an iPad. So clearly, a lot of change in, in half a decade. I think in general about the iPad hardware, um, Safari was regarded by many as the killer software feature, and I think that overall the Apple A4 was the killer feature of the iPad hardware. Mm. Because yes, it's got this great screen. Yes, it's got battery life. And yes, it's got speakers and Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and 3G also. But the killer feature was really the custom silicon made by Apple. Because this is before the iPhone 4. Um, This is the first time that Apple is coming out and saying, we have a silicon team inside Apple and we're doing our custom chips now. And... The Apple A4 is controlling every single aspect of the device. And it not, it's not just about the iPad, the original iPad. It's about the story that it, like, that, that it, that it pushes forward, uh, that Apple is making custom, its own custom chips. And then in the future, we're going to see even tighter integration between different components and software features at Apple. And I think... Like when I try to remember this keynote, when I think about the software, I think about Safari, and when I think about the hardware, I think about the iPad and the Apple A4. 
I think that's definitely fair and, and has obviously played an important role. Like we would never have the technology inside the Apple Watch if it hadn't been for the, the course they set out on with, um, with this device. So let's take a quick break and thank our sp- one of our sponsors for this week, and that is returning sponsor, our friends, over at Automatic. Automatic is a connected car adapter. It plugs into your car's diagnostic port, which is the one that your mechanic will use. Every car since 96 has one of these ports, so you're pretty certain that the car you've got has most likely got one. Um, and then it, what you do is you plug the automatic in and it pairs to your phone and when you drive, it connects your car to the internet. You use the automatic with their free mobile app which shows you things like if your check engine light comes on, it will explain in plain English what the problem is. You can even clear the light as well in the app if you want. If it's a small problem, you can do that right from your phone. Uh, it will take a log of all of your trips uh, and your parking location so you never lose your car. So it's, you're always going to know. You're never going to like run around the parking lot at Disney World trying to find your car again because the automatic can help you out with that. And it will give you feedback on your driving to help you drive less aggressively and save on gas. I know people that, that look at this and they look at their stats and they treat it like a game, right? Trying to get their better scores in safer driving and trying to save fuel. And they use the automatic as a great kind of like way of, of measuring that information. This is something that's really important. Automatic can even detect a crash and call for help for free. Uh, And a human will stay on the line with you until help arrives. It's just like a nice safety feature to have. Automatic can integrate with your Nest thermostat as well. So it can heat your home just in time for your arrival. So your automatic can help warm your living room before you go and watch some iPad keynotes. And it can connect your car to countless other services like Google Docs, Twitter, Evernote, as well as connected home devices like the Philip Hue lights and obviously the Nest that we mentioned just a second ago. Automatic really helps bridge the gap between your car and the tech you use every single day. You can order an automatic right now for just $99.95. There are no subscription fees or any other hidden charges. And we have an incredible deal for you. If you go to automatic.com slash connected, you get 20% off an automatic, bringing the total down to just $80. Just that one price, $80, and you'll be able to connect your car to the World Wide Web. It ships in two business days for free and has a 45-day return policy. To find out more and for that awesome discount, make sure that you go to automatic.com slash connected. Thank you so much to Automatic for supporting this show and Relay FM. So up next, Scott Forstall. Who... He's back! He's back! Well, <laughs> I don't think you know how time works. Uh, he's definitely still crazy and like sort of over-energetic. Um... So he comes out and and is talking about the App Store. So we have Jobs talking about first-party apps with the iPad comes with out of the box. Scott Forstall is here to talk about the App Store and, of course, reveals that an SDK is available. Um, But he leads off with a discussion around, okay, we have all these iPhone apps and we have this iPad. What's the deal there? And explains how iPhone apps can run on the iPad. We built the iPad to run virtually every one of these apps unmodified right out of the box. Now, we can do that in two ways. We can run these apps with pixel-for-pixel accuracy black boxed in the center of the screen. We can also automatically pixel double and run those apps full screen. I think this was such a smart move because even though the iPhone app wouldn't look perfect. What it did was 
is you know we you know we were talking about earlier about you know like um what people expected like oh we're not going to get an SDK today or we're not going to see an app store today because people just assumed well there's not going to be any apps and we're going to need and they're not going to release it in six months time they're going to release it now so there probably won't be an app store because there'll be nothing to put in it but the app store you know it already was full because you could access all of your iPhone apps so it meant that you could use your like your iPhone app that you loved to look at Twitter, you could use it on the iPad. It wouldn't look great, but it would be there. However, I think that this actually helped perpetuate the big iPod Touch problem. Yeah. Because yeah. you just had big iPhone apps for a while. I I never actually used iPhone apps in this way. Oh, really? Like, it's never. It's so weird. Like, I know that iOS is still supports this sort of compatibility mode, but it's it's always been so odd to me. Like you use a different keyboard and you get this like blurry graphics on the screen. And I I guess I'm I'm lucky enough to uh, that I didn't rely on apps that didn't have um, iPad versions on on day one or at least within a comfortable you know uh, release time from the launch of the device. Like I never I'm pretty sure besides like my own personal curiosity that I wanted to see an iPhone app in compatibility mode, I never relied on such a thing, ever. Uh, not sure about you guys, because Mike, you seem pretty excited about this. Well, I just thought it was a smart, it was a smart business move. Yeah, I think it is. It's just weird. Like, I don't know if Apple could have done it better, uh, but it like, you get this like the, the black uh extra black bezels around the app. Even bigger bezels, right? Yeah, even bigger and softer versions of them. Uh, it's just so strange. Like, a, it's almost an Apple, I would say. But I get it. Like, it makes sense because the app store, there's, like, the risk of, uh, you know, not getting the, the iPad version of the app you're waiting for. And I guess it also makes sense in an enterprise kind of segment. Uh, because maybe you rely on, a, on an iPhone app that it's not yet available on the iPad, but you want to use the iPad, so you get the iPhone version for, you know, because you need it for work. Uh, I guess it makes sense. It's just strange. One, uh, you know, one thing I think to to Mike's point is they sort of had to do this so that so to to take advantage of what had come before it. You know, even eight, 18 months in, a lot of apps out there, and I think it's important that they demoed Facebook because it, it very clearly a high usage, you know, may, maybe one of the most high profile iOS apps ever. And so to say, hey, look, you know, all these features you like, you can you can t- continue to use. I, I do think it's interesting that that Facebook is an example, but I think you know, it, it, I think they had to, right? They had to say, we have success in this area. And we're not going to start back at zero. We're going to build on that success. And so, yes, it's weird. I think it was totally mandatory. However, interestingly, there was no Facebook for iPad until October 2011. <laughs> yeah, funny funny story there. Um, I remember, basically, a lot of people were waiting for Facebook to make an iPad app. And I think I was like... It was a weekend, I'm, I'm not sure. I got a tip by a reader um, about the, that you could enable uh, Facebook's iPad app by changing like a string of text in the iPhone version 
uh, from the App Store. I seem to so, remember this. So I was too scared to to run with the story on my own because you know I didn't want Facebook legal team or whatever uh, writing to me. So I passed the tip along to other people, and the news and ended up being reported like within hours. Huh. Uh, you are responsible. Uh, I remember this. I, I definitely remember this. Yeah. I, it's just like so many people were waiting for, for the Facebook iPad app. I'm, I'm not sure why Facebook didn't release an app like before. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. Scott Forsall says all it does, you just have to plug it, plug it into iTunes and move those iPhone apps right over. So, you know, editing <laughs> a string in that bundle, not a big deal. <laughs> um, what did you guys think about the uh, Scott Forsall plays this like snow cross game, like you're racing snowmobiles? Um, well, I he's really good at it. He is really good at it. I, I think that we need to be checking the snowcross circuit because that's where Forstall might be. Yeah, maybe maybe he's is a uh, live streaming on Twitch. Yeah, <laughs> I downloaded it while watching the keynote again because the keynote was so boring the second time, and uh, it's not a bad little game. It hasn't aged very well. Like it's one of those games I'm sure you guys know plays like a thirty second quick time movie as it's launching. Yes, it's like I, and that you can't fast forward in because it's actually loading the app behind the video. It's like what what are you doing? But uh, but I played it. So Scott Forstall and I have that have that in common. Am I the only one who feels like every time Forstall? talks like he's staring into my soul so later on in the in the video like the product demo video that is the video where all of those crazy-eyed forstall images are taken from <laughs> yes. like he looks crazy in that video yeah. Like, yeah. Like, it's like it's like next level insanity that guy yeah. i do miss him though man he was, yeah. he was good like whenever i see him on stage it's like he, he was good yeah he was good yeah so they, um, he, he moves into the SDK and he starts out saying, you know, we rewrote the entire interface of our apps to take advantage of the display. And I couldn't help but point out, it's in the show notes, um, that not every Apple app was yep. designed. Um, so Contacts, uh, if you guys will look at <laughs> oh this link, God. Contacts was very clearly meant to work in landscape. So it looked like a, like a book, right? Oh like to your God. point of... The iPad turns into a physical book, but it was in landscape. They black barred it at the top and bottom. Oh so I forgot this. <laughs> floating in space. Um, and I, I love that this image shows your only contact is Mike Hurley. What up? Yeah. We know details. We know details. Don't need details about just me, boy. Mike sitting, sitting there in a black sea of <laughs> nothingness. That ain't wow. dark. I mean, yeah. I just needed a screenshot, and I wasn't going to sync my iCloud account to this. So, um, <laughs> so they talk about this. They demo some third-party apps. Um, I think the one that's most interesting to me, at least, is the New York Times app. So there have been a lot of stories um, about like the iPad is going to save journalism, which, like, okay, but. Um, they really push this like that the iPad's really great for reading. But what's so what's really interesting to me is that they demo this app after Steve Jobs demos the New York Times website for like thirty six minutes. Um, That's a really it, good point. I thought of that before. It just it feels very weird uh, to see <laughs> both of them. Um, and they say an essence of reading a newspaper is like on a one and a half, you know uh, whatever it was one and a half pound glass and 
metal tablet, but you know, it's it's like a newspaper in every way. So I, I like that because the developers are coming out on stage. And you see these apps that look pretty good. Like you know they've only had the SDK for a couple of weeks at, at the most. Can you imagine what it is like to have to develop in this scenario? Like to make Crazy. an app in a couple of weeks. Like and they yeah. got that guy, the brushes guy. I remember that app. Like it's one guy. Yeah. Right. And then he's like the, of everyone that's on stage, he's like, Yeah, I'll be out when the iPad sh- when the iPad ships. Everyone else is like, Coming in the future. And he's just like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no problem, bro. Like, see this like fast forwarding animation? Yeah, I've been dealing with that. So that'll be out when it's sh- like, you know, it's like, okay, he, buddy. <laughs> he probably uses the the same energy drink that Score for Soul drinks. Or you. Uh, <laughs> no, it's just espresso. Espresso. No, no <laughs> secret yeah. there. The original energy drink. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I think in hindsight, as much as Safari is like the app that defines the iPad, um, the app stores as well. And uh, John Gruber said that in his in his review that the truth is that the app store is the killer app. The iPad is meant for anything that can be represented on a 10-inch color touchscreen. And, and like that really is is true and and you look at even the first party apps you know I've got no third party apps on this iPad here and there's there's not a lot to it like even iBooks was an additional download and so in hindsight this thing had to have the app store and I don't think the iPad really could have existed in a world without it for very long Amazon's done a great job of pioneering uh, this functionality with their Kindle and we're going to stand on their shoulders and go a bit further it's a sick, sick Steve Jobs burn right there about Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so I don't know. What do you guys think about, about iBooks? I mean, what, what were your reactions at the time? Okay, I remember. I'm sorry. Uh, I needed to point this out. iBooks came with a free uh, download of a, uh, like a kid's book. Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh, man. And... It, and I was so impressed by the illustrations and like the, the like the ebook in general. I thought it was really nice. So I promised myself that I would use iBooks a lot. Like because like when you try an app and 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 you're impressed and you're like, yeah, I want to use this. And I I actually never read in <laughs> iBooks <again>. that much. <laughs> that much. Like I like I guess I like the idea of iBooks. And I like iBooks in general. I publish an iBook myself, so it's not like I'm lying. It's just, I guess I'm not that much of a book reader. And so I was impressed, uh, but just not in practical terms. I have like one one comment about this entire section, because this section is like a... This is this is the extras news fest. Um Delicious library, man. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. the, the most shameless ripoff. Like, Delicious library, and also there used to be an iPhone app called, I think, Classics. Steven, do you remember this one? Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah. Same shelf design. Yeah. The, I, yeah. I even think the developer uh, himself like commented on the iBooks announcement on that day yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. Really, though, I mean, I think what really sums up this section is Steve Jobs talking about the user interface between the your books and the library. And probably the best thing is let's go into the store right now. I hit the store button, and it's kind of like a secret passageway. It uh, flips around, and 
here is the iBook store. <laughs> Secret passageways. <laughs> the whole thing just spins around. It's like, could you get any more, like, not only skeuomorphic, but, like, ridiculous in that? <laughs> I actually forgot, like, we all talk about, like, the calendar and the paper ripping off and stuff. This right here is the worst skewmorphic. Oh, come on. It's so nice. It it's nice. Like one, of those, one of those movies from, like, there's people touching buttons saying they go into secret rooms. It's so... I'm not, I'm not so saying weird. I don't like it's it. It's so weird. It's nice, <laughs> but it's it's... As bad as you could get, right? If, yeah. For, for skeuomorphism. Well, no, actually, the original podcast apps uh, app from. Oh, Apple. but I like uh, that though, with the ra- the radio dial. I mean, yeah, the, 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 the real thing... to real man, the real to real. But that looked yeah. nice. Oh, I, I like that. I did My like God. That. Everything about iOS is weird. I'm gonna put a screenshot in the show notes. Uh, when you go to the app store, it prompted you to download iBooks. It wasn't bundled with the iPad. And the popover is the standard, like, classic iOS popover. But instead of being that nice blue-purple, it's brown. Like, everything about iBooks is just a little bit weird. I do not remember Um, that. And what's, you know, what's interesting is they only hint about textbooks. um, And iBooks author and sort of iBooks 2.0 didn't take place until 2012, until two years after this event. And so... You know, the, the iBooks, you know, sometimes Apple puts something out and it's very, like, fully formed, especially in hardware. But in software, very often Apple sort of dips their toe in. And the iBook store is definitely one of those things where it's like, hey, we have a couple publishers. Uh, I think it even says, you know, we're going to start making uh, deals with more publishers starting tomorrow. Um, and, like, we can do textbooks. But that idea doesn't really take off until a couple years later. And I would argue probably still hasn't taken off, <laughs> honestly. But... Uh, iBooks has been a very, it's a very weird product to me looking at Apple's lineup. I, I understand why they have it, but at the same time, like if it went away, I for one would not miss it. Yeah. It's, uh, I forget, I forget it exists all the time. Like, yeah, I read on a Kindle. Like I don't, I don't read in iBooks. Uh, I, I've occasionally, I, will, I mean, I will buy things like Federico, like your books or like, Thank uh, you. The Max Sparky Field Guides, like iBook author books, I would read because I kind of have to. But anything else that's available in the Kindle, if I'm going to read it digitally, it's where I do it. You know what also exists in the Apple lineup? iAd. Oh. Yeah, it's my favorite. Oh man, I f- always forget that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, we but we iBook isn't the only Apple app that we that we see here. Uh, they move into iWork. And again, like at the top, we're talking about Steve Jobs at, at the D conference. Steve Jobs has tells us a really nice little story about the background of iWork uh, for the tablet. A little over a year ago, I asked the head of our iWork team to take a look at creating a version of iWork for the iPad. And the initial reaction was, ah, the iWork apps, Keynote, Pages and numbers are really heavy-duty apps. Uh, They require a lot of horsepower. Could the tablet power them? And the answer turned out to be a resounding, you betcha. So Phil Scheller uh, shows off iWork, um, and he really kind of drives home the idea that they they took a lot of time thinking about this. And, like, they're really, like, pushing iWork. And I remember seeing it at the time and being like, Man, you can do real stuff on this thing, you know? Like that's that's pages. Like I've used pages and like 
I think numbers for me was the most impressive uh, of of the demos because like Keynote, I know I, I never really used Keynote, but being able to create like spreadsheets to do all these formulas and stuff on this like touchscreen device seems so cool. And I remember um, when they showed how the keyboard changed to to numbers and it only showed the numbers and the functions you needed at that given time. It was like, ah, right. That's why this is so good. Yeah. You know, like it was just like, that makes perfect sense. Well, he but, sells it as numbers, the spreadsheet that is fun and cool to use. And like, and <laughs> they should have just put his thumb up. Like, he put his thumb yeah. up. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> numbers. <laughs> uh, I agree with you, though, but I think Keynote is, is pretty impressive, too, just all the layout skills. And actually, watching this, I learned things about Keynote that I didn't know <laughs> until this day, like some of the gestures, which I think is part of the problem with these apps. And, and it, it continued in the iLife apps, you know, that came after these is that there's a lot of stuff in these interfaces that isn't as simple as some of the other apps. But it is impressive that um, that these apps were here on day one because I think Apple had to tell the story that the iPad could be used for productivity. So that was what was really interesting about, about iWork, right? It was super powerful, and we got to see, as you said, like you can use it for productivity like it's a thing. And then iLife came in later years, maybe the next year. The um, next year, iPad 2, yeah. And it showed that you could use it for content creation, right? So first Apple shows productivity, then they show content, you know, and then and then we got iPhoto later on, which uh, was interesting. Didn't go down very well, but it was you know, another, nope. another app like that. Yeah. And um, now it's gone. Now it's gone. <laughs> uh, but we can forget about that. So I know that we've spoken about this in the past, but and, and, I, and I felt this way coming out of the last iPad uh, keynote especially. Where are these apps today? Like Apple is not showing me today what the iPad can be used for like that they're, they're not trailblazing themselves that they're, they're highlighting applications like pixelmator but mm. there's like you know i i want to see this class of application coming from apple again and i'm not saying i have the answers right i don't know what you make but i know this is so hand wavy but that's kind of not my that's not my problem like but i i want to see reasons from apple as to why I should be using the iPad, like that they are showing me, that then they're showing other developers, like this is the kind of stuff you should be making. Uh, I think there's two ways you can go about this. Either you think that Apple has lost its way and that they're being busy doing other things and that maybe they don't prioritize making their own software for the iPad enough. Or maybe you can think that, that Apple, like initially, they showed developers because they needed to, sort of like teach developers how to make app software. And then in following in the following years, they just focused on making, you know, SDK tools to just let the developers and the ecosystem speak for itself. Uh, because they feel like the like developers on the iPad and the, like the entire app store market is now mature enough that we can just focus on making the tools and making the hardware and you guys, you 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 know Software is your thing now, and you make apps, and we just, you know, we just make the tools. Uh, I, I don't know, like, what, what's the real reason why why Apple is not making this sort of uh, maybe even experimental apps in a way, because with the iPad 2 especially, uh, with GarageBand, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Today, on the iPad, Apple is primarily maintaining those apps and adding new features and adding support for iOS 8 and iCloud Drive and extensions maybe every once in a while, not all the time. 
I kind of miss, um, I, like I agree with you, Mike, I kind of miss the, the Apple that show developers, hey, here's what you can do uh, with the iPad. Here's how we've been, you know, developing apps for the iPad. And But I also, like I'm torn between these two theories because yeah. I understand your point, but I also know that when you're big enough, you can just make the tools and let the community uh, come up with the tools. Also because it's not, you know, it's not cool when when Apple apps are, like dominating the charts on the app store. So th- I think there's multiple reasons. I, I like the nostalgic part of myself kind of misses the, you know, the original iWork and iLife suit of apps, but I also kind of understand why they don't do it anymore. Like maybe what it is, and, and, and I really don't mean this to, to sound as frustrating or annoying as it is. Like maybe it's because that there hasn't been like a, a real big, uh, like, defining innovation in the iPad like maybe it is you know like there are rumors of a stylus or there are rumors of split screen and maybe we need to wait for something like that like a big fundamental shift so that Apple then have something new to make like my thought would be and and I don't think they need to do this but my thought would be like put your money where your mouth is and give me a pro app you know give me logic give me final cut right something like that or an element of that like there is an app that they make that is like way more powerful but anyway, that's just my kind of my posit. Uh, $9.99. Now, what an interesting price. I I mean, I, looking at our document, me and Steven seem to disagree with this. It was high. It was higher than what other apps were, were charging at the time. It was higher than iPhone software. Um, obviously lower than the iWorks uh, apps on, uh, on the Mac. But I wonder if what Apple were trying to do here was to set the expectation that iPad software should be more expensive. Yeah, I think that's why we wrote opposite things. Is I was thinking it from a thinking about it from a Mac perspective, where iWork was I don't know sixty nine bucks at the time or something, and so for thirty, you get all all three. But you know, I think your point is correct as well. Very clearly trying to set the stage that you know the iPad software is uh, more powerful. You know, iWork I did not come to the iPhone on day one. Uh, it was reserved for the tablet. And so to say, you know what, look, this is a different class. This is an, an in-between step between uh, your smartphone and your computer, and we're going to price it that way. Um, and I think, you know, in broad strokes, I think that's held up. I think, I don't know for sure, and maybe we can follow up on this, but I think in broad strokes, iPad software is still more expensive than iPhone software in, in sort of the more professional end of things. Sure. And... And so I think that that precedent they set, to a degree at least, is still hanging on. Although iWork is now free, if that's the canary in the coal mine. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, all their... I mean, OS X is free. Like, um, Everything's free. Give it away. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, we can talk about connectivity real quick. Um, uh, because this is 2010, this is before the... Um, you know, well before iOS 5 and the PC-free stuff, um, you got to... Uh, Plug it in with a cable, like a gentleman. The iPad syncs over USB with iTunes running on your Mac or your PC, exactly like an iPhone or an iPod Touch. And so when you sync, you sync everything. You can sync your photos, your music, your movies, your TV shows, your contacts, your calendars, your bookmarks, and of course, all those applications that you might have already bought for your iPhone or your iPod Touch. Backups are synced back. If you ever lose your iPad and you get another one, you can restore it right from the backup, right where you left off. 
So USB syncing to iTunes running on your Mac or your PC. What, what about uh, what about 3G? We talked about it a little while ago. Did that surprise you guys that that Apple out of the gate had something? Because uh, you know the iPod Touch to this day still doesn't have cellular data. I forgot. Um, and, and you know, because you mentioned earlier, Stephen, that you were kind of like had forgotten about it because everybody that you knew didn't have it. And the reason was is because it took 90 days. So everybody just bought them with Wi-Fi because none of us could wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? So uh, there weren't, I don't know if there were a lot of iPads, uh, at least in, in the nerd circles, that had uh, cellular because we all just bought them on Wi-Fi. And I mean, as well, I, I remember, I, I can't remember the exact time that's off the top of my head, but the iPad came out at the same time in the UK, um, which was a surprise. Um Although I think it got delayed a little bit, but it was it was very close to to the to the U.S. release date. But the cellular version took took a while longer, I believe, like mm-hmm. a, a much much longer time. Yeah, and the um, I think what's most noticeable about this is that the the built-in iPad data plans, which are still around, uh, of course, now you can just like I do on my Verizon plan. My iPad is just I don't know ten bucks a month or something, and just pulls from my pool of data, but. You could do uh, on AT and T, of course. I mean, this is pre Verizon for Apple. Fifteen bucks for two hundred fifty megabytes, or thirty bucks for unlimited data. Like two hundred fifty megabytes is sort of crazy. But then I actually looked at my I looked at, uh, on my Verizon account at the usage on my iPad, and I've got some months like um, like this month where I've done a live tethering on my iPad, and the data usage is just insanely high. But like, there's some months where I I might use less than that. If you're just you know looking at a Twitter or you know very little things, um, on um, on the the cellular connection. So 250 megabytes, like yeah, like that's sort of like kind of funny in hindsight. But I I do think that for a lot of people that that maybe been enough. Well, um, in my personal example, I almost uh regularly run out of my 20 gigs of data on my iPad every month. <laughs> well, so, you're a crazy person. <laughs> yeah, so that, that uh, 250 megabytes seems yeah. so like crazy. It's like a, like a single afternoon uh, working on the iPad. <laughs> what, <laughs> I'm one article. Yeah, yeah, it's um, crazy. I, You know, so, so we're, we're getting toward the end of it here, and uh, the, the big bombshell, right, is, is the price. What should we price it at? Well, if you listen to the pundits, we're going to price it at under $1,000, which is code for $9.99. When we set out to develop the iPad, we not only had very ambitious technical goals, and user interface goals, but we had a very aggressive price goal because we want to put this in the hands of lots of people. And just like we were able to meet or exceed our technical goals, we have met our cost goals. And I am thrilled to announce to you that the iPad pricing Starts not at $9.99, but at just $499. $499.
obviously, like, you know, there have been a lot of talk about $1,000, right? That's what everybody going into this was expecting. That was because that was what the rumors were, right? And it seemed conceivable at the time that it would be $1,000. And it was like, if it's $1,000, that would be crazy. So whether that, that information was planted by Apple or not, who knows? You know, it could have been one of those yeah. controlled leaks, which I personally think that it probably was that's always been my thought is that apple set that expectation so they could blow it out of the water because the animation is like a big smashing in the glass right they had prepared that like they knew that going in there was a conception of it like i think it was a controlled leak so they were able to conceivably say 500 dollars is perfectly fine for this device and and people in the tech press could go along and say that because i think a lot of people i know that i was really surprised by the price and, and thought that it was perfectly fair not that I don't now, but that you know that was that was what I thought at the time. Uh, what about this uh, super awesome keyboard dock? Keyboard dock, man. <laughs> what, ab- what about it? I wanted it's- one of those so bad. <laughs> I owned one. It was amazing. It, it is amazing. We have another dock for the iPad that's interesting. The keyboard dock. So full size, full size mechanical keyboard. You slide your iPad into it. Of course, it charges, has a 30-pin connector out the back for charging, so you can charge your iPad, and when you really need to do a lot of typing, this is the way to go. Just keep one of these in your den. When you've got to write uh, War and Peace, just uh, <laughs> plug your iPad into it. Something that the iPad doesn't have anymore, really, or at least in the same way, is that it, they say that you can use it as a digital picture frame. And so on this this iPad here running uh, iOS five, there's a and you know now we have the camera in the bottom right. Uh, it was a picture frame thing, and you could set up a little slideshow. and And I guess Apple's thought was that this could become sort of like digital picture frame, that like it's in the keyboard dock and you're not using it. It's like sitting upright, and you can look at family photos or something. And you can still do that in the Photos app. It's obviously not on the lock screen anymore. Like clearly demoted and important. <laughs> that was really not required for such prime real estate. I always press that button accidentally and just stuff I never yeah. wanted to show up on that screen was on that screen. Yeah, it's just, all, well, it wasn't selfies on the first iPad because there's no camera, but, you know, <laughs> iPad <laughs> 2 and later. All screenshots yeah. for my <laughs> <laughs> with the origami transition. Yeah, so. um, but, uh, yeah, I had a keyboard dock. I mean, clearly it's kind of funny in hindsight, I think. But, um, again, I think Apple had to make this transition, and, and they even say, you know, this is for using with pages because it put it in in portrait mode and um you know it's gone the way of the dodo now um as has this like super terrible first gen ipad case which i owned one and it was awful like you couldn't get the ipad in or out of it very easily and like it had this little flap that you would never go where you wanted to and the edges were like sharp where the seams were it's like i don't know who made this but it was terrible um and i think they i think they make fun of it in the ipad 2 event when they introduced the smart cover i think they're yeah. like yeah, that case was. We're sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, because but, they um, said, "Well, uh, we don't want to make a case that basically hides your entire device. We want to show the device, but just protect the screen." Right, and, and you know the smart cover, you know, remains to this day. I've got one here on my iPad Mini. Very clearly, a superior product to this. Uh, this like super gross uh, black, like greasy sleeve thing. I had this weird like plastic like hard case that came with this little like uh easel thing that you could put the ipad in sweet and then i had a little keyboard <laughs> and I, and so and why are you th- making why are you making fun of my keyboard dock then you had oh, an no. easel and I, the keyboard i wanted the keyboard dock i just never just never got it uh because i yeah. bought this weird plastic easel thing 
That's no good. Um, so do we want to talk about this Johnny Ive video? Oh, man. Um, this video. It's really, it's really a Scott Forstall video. Like, <laughs> That's Johnny a good Ive. point. That is a really good point. Uh, I've seen a lot of these videos, right? I've seen a lot of them. Uh, and and they're, they're frequently one of my favorite parts of the keynote. Um, this one has two major problems. It is about like six and a half months long. Uh, in total, uh, I'm still. It's still happening. Uh, Scott Forstall is still in a box talking. It's just being live streamed to me now, and everyone is way too excited. Like, okay, so everyone is way too excited. Can I ask you guys a question be- before we discuss the video? Yeah, like I need to know this. It's one of my those strange questions. Do you think that when they record these videos, uh, like the Apple style? here is that uh, the people in the video look somewhere else. They don't look directly into the camera. So do you think that they actually look at someone? And if yes, do you think that that someone feels weird while they're being talked to? (laughs) (laughs) So I definitely think they're looking at someone because they talk so comfortably. What is that other someone doing? Just nodding? No, I, I think whoever that is, I think that it's like going into a nuclear waste plant that you can only be in one of those videos and you have so much exposure to it that you're in a hospital the rest of your life. Or or Steve is just standing there. And it's like, yeah. say it with more enthusiasm. Yeah, so so first, first of all, in particular, is like, you just touch it. Like, apps are in order of magnitude. Like, all these crazy clips of like, like, maybe he's on meth. Like, I don't know what's going on, but he's so happy. The you just touch it thing is is what I find so crazy. Like, we've all used iPhones. Like, we know how touchscreens work. Like, you, yeah. do, you just touch it and stuff happens. Like, bro, we get it. Like, it's fine. <laughs> Two years, like, we've been using these things. Yeah. Like, You're like, calm down. Like, just, like, we chill get out yeah. a little bit. <laughs> but you don't understand. It's glass and you touch the glass. It's like, all right. <laughs> the <laughs> The best part, the best part, is when he's talking. I think he's talking about Safari, and it's like you can touch the screen and and it feels natural. And then he looks at the guy, I guess the person he's, he's talking to, and it's like you just do the same reasons that it just feels right to hold a book or a magazine or a newspaper in your hands as you read them. It just feels right to hold the internet in your hands as you surf it, and with a screen this large. You can just see more of the web as you're surfing it. Take the New York Times. You can see all the top stories. They're all just right there. If you see something, you just reach out and tap it. It's completely natural. You don't even think about it. You just do. (laughs) (laughs) And he has so much excitement in his his, his voice. It's so bad. I miss the guy. Because the other thing, with it being eight minutes, like, it's effectively just telling us everything we've already watched. Like, we just see it all over again. Yeah. Well, I mean, remember, like, for a long time... Apple didn't always put these keynotes out quickly, and so they you'd have the product video, and, and I mean, nerds are going to watch an hour-long keynote, but you know, someone who's just interested in the product is only going to watch a six, eight-minute thing. Oh yeah. So I get why they have to repackage it. Yeah, but you don't need to put the eight-minute video inside the keynote. Then I think you could uh, have yeah, a shortened version they, and then keep the eight. minute Anyway, this is this is the company that shows TV commercials during keynotes. That's like, a good point. Steve Jobs, is like, and hey, we made an ad, and they play the ad, and everyone is happy. Like it's 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 just weird. Um. 
I do like that we get to see Big Bob Mansfield, uh, who left Apple, retired, and then came out of retirement, and then I think is retired again. Um, talking about the hardware. Um, what is he doing? I think he only came back to eject Scott Forstall out of the building. Maybe. Like yeah, he's he the only guy back. like big enough to handle that, big, that amount of big energy. Big Bob just bounced him out. Um, you know, and, and Phil Schiller has a good point at the end of it, and I think that in many ways it encapsulates everything we've talked about for the last 12 hours is that new technology usually starts as an expensive top shelf type of thing. And over time it comes down and the price comes down and the technology becomes more accessible. And he says with the iPad, Apple wanted to do it differently. And I, I really believe that that thought process behind that statement of, you know, Apple clearly they could have charged a thousand dollars for this, right? Like, and, and people would have bought it, but making it four ninety nine. um, put it in reach of so many people and 499 for some people is almost like compulsion. I mean, it's, it's a, it's not no money, but it's, it's enough of a price difference from a laptop that clearly setting this device apart and Apple wanting the a four and the screen and, and the software to be accessible to as many people as possible. Um, I think that's really profound, and I think it's something that Apple has gotten better with, better at over time. Um, even though the iPad is still four ninety nine, you know, dropping those price points by selling old models, as gross as that is, sometimes, like clearly they're still in that mission of you know this this technology should be accessible to anyone who can afford it, and we want as many people to be able to afford it as possible. And I think that's I think that's pretty great. Do we have what it takes to establish a third category of products? an awesome product in between a laptop and a smartphone. Well, the bar is pretty high. It's got to be far better at doing some key things like these. And we think we got the goods. We think we've done it. And we are so excited about this product. Another thing we're so excited about is that because we've shipped over 75 million iPhones and iPod Touches, there's over 75 million people that already know how to use the iPad. So we can't wait for them to get their hands on it. So Steve is closing by really answering the question that he asked at the beginning of the event. Uh, can a third category of device sitting between the laptop and between the, the smartphone make sense? Could, could it work? And... He says we we think we've got something that, that you know that is a that is a good compromise I guess between all the different categories, but not just a compromise between a laptop and a smartphone. Really, it excels at some key tasks that people want to do on this kind of device. And multiple times he's talking about the iPad as an intuitive, as an easy and fun device to use. The the word fun is used many, many times throughout the show to either to refer to the iPad as something that you hold in your hands and you can carry around and use whatever you want, and also to the software, the software being fun and being, you know, almost uh, realistic in a way that you already know how to use these apps. And also another recurring theme that it, that it repeats in the conclusion of the, of the keynote is that the iPad fits the user. You don't, have to, you don't have to adjust yourself to use the device because 
because of the screen, because of the form factor, and because it's something that you carry with you all the time, uh, and because of the, of the battery life, because it lasts for 10 hours, uh, the iPad fits your lifestyle, and you can just rely on the apps to get work done, or to watch movies, or to listen to musics, uh, to music, and to, you know, to, to your music collection, as he says on on the on your device. And now, what what, what comes next from Jobs is a uh, is a quote that we that we see played over and over in the in the Apple blogs, and it's about what he calls the intersection of technology and liberal arts. Now, the reason that Apple's able to create products like the iPad is because we've always tried to be at the intersection of technology and liberal arts. To be able to get the best of both, to make extremely advanced products from a technology point of view, but also have them be intuitive, easy to use, fun to use, so that they really fit the users. The users don't have to come to them. They come to the user. And it's the combination of these two things that I think is let us make the kind of creative products like the iPad. This one sentence destroys the entire thing for me because I hate this term more than anything in the world. Why? Because what happened was Steve Jobs said something really cool and he had to put a graphic up. And I don't yeah. I don't hate what Jobs said. I hate what came afterwards was everyone everywhere being at the intersection of something. They're at the intersection <laughs> of something or something. Like yeah. this show is at the intersection of show notes and photo management. <laughs> <laughs> Do you say show notes and photo management? Uh-huh. <laughs> it really is, by the way. Like, it's just so annoying. Like, every Apple podcast for, like, six years yeah. was at the intersection of something and something. Yeah. Hey, guys, I'm going to eat a burrito after this, and it's going to be at the intersection of deliciousness and pain. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, I just hate, I hate this so much. Yeah. So, I, I, okay, I'll give you that. Um, it's been overplayed, but... I do think it's interesting, and I think in many ways, you know, Jobs had a couple keynotes after this, um, but I think in many ways this slide really sums up his view of Apple as not only a company, but as like a force in the world. And uh, again, like the iPad is clearly, he's building the case that the iPad also stands at this intersection. But I really think it's it's sort of a, a meta statement about Apple itself. And, you know, one, I think that, you can really see, I mean, even if you go back to the, the first Jobs era of, you know, Jobs spent a lot of time trying to put, put Apple computers in, you know, the, in classrooms and, and making them uh, really accessible for lots of people. Even the original Macintosh, you know, stripping away all of the things that weren't necessary um, to make it a useful tool for people who want to be creative and people who wanted to, to be able to write and, you know, m- make things with a computer. And so I think this intersection of technology and liberal arts is something that I think that was very close to uh, to Steve Jobs. I think it, I think it's still very close to the heart of Apple. This this idea that technology can make the world better, and you know not not just in a way that's like economic or in a way that is sort of technology for its own sake, but for technology for like the sake of humanity, and like. That's sort of ridiculous talk about like a 
company that way, but I, I think it's true, and I think it's why so many people resonate with this stuff you know, so well. This week's very special episode of Connected is brought to you by our friends at Igloo, the internet you'll actually like. Igloo's internet works on any device, any mobile device, including the iPhone and the iPhone 6, any mobile device, including the iPad, or any mobile device, including your MacBook, because they are mobile devices. They're all mobile devices in this Apple universe, and Igloo's internet platform works on all of them. It's because it features responsive design, so you can do anything from reading a document to sharing a photo of your lunch to administrating the intersection of your settings and your tasks. Uh, Igloo's document preview engine is fully HTML5 compatible, so if your teammate uploads a Word, Excel, or even JavaScript file, you can read it on your device without having to download the content or use a native app. It saves you storage and also makes sure that everyone on your team is looking at the same version of a document because its one true place is on the web. Even Igloo's task management system has been designed for speed and ease of use on your iPhone. You can very quickly, very easily create a task, just a few taps it takes, and you can quickly manage all of your lists wherever you are. Igloo's platform is so customizable. When you design your Igloo to look exactly how you want, maybe it carries your logo and the colors and the fonts that you want, it's going to look fantastic on every device because it's going to carry that design over from phone to laptop to iPad instantly. It's a fantastic and fast way to create, share, and manage your work from wherever you choose to work. Whether you want to work on the Alps, you want to work in a cubicle, you want to work on the road. Federico is known for working in the front seat of a uh, of a car. You can do all of that with Igloo, and this is amazing. If you've ever used any kind of internet product before, like SharePoint, you'll know how incredible this sounds because it's just simply not possible to do with anybody else. Igloo is free to use with up to 10 people, and you can sign up right now at igloosoftware.com slash connected. We love these guys, and they love us, so you should love them. So thank you so much to Igloo for supporting this week's show and all of Real FM. So I think in hindsight, you know, Watching this keynote a couple of times, talking about it with you guys today, I think what really jumps out at me is that Steve leads this keynote with software for a reason. And I think that's really true. Um, uh, that resonates across, I think, a lot of Apple's products that, you know, Apple, it's been said, is a software company first that, that happens to make hardware. And I think that's definitely the case when it comes to the iPad. And that's why things like the hardware sort of just being really minimal and being very simple, why that's so important, especially on the iPad. And I think that's why Jobs starts with the interface um, and doesn't lead off with things like, look how crazy thin this is. You know, they do that now more because people understand it, but especially early on leading with the software, I think was a really good way to go. And I think it was really important to the, the iPad being understood by people watching. I think, you know, I, I said this before and like the way that, that I look at this, at this event as a whole, Steve did like a really good job of showing you what, what the iPad's purpose is. Like, why do you need the iPad? What are you going to do with it? You know, he even says, like, it has to be better at these tasks. When referring to email, reading, like, they, they, they really show, like, this is what the iPad is for. This is what we see it to be for. They had apps that came out to show that. Um, I feel like like Apple lately has maybe done not a good job of it, or maybe there's some something that needs to be, needs to change, or I, I don't know what it is, but 
I feel myself asking the question, like, what do I need an iPad for? And I, I don't use an iPad anymore. Like, I simply don't use it. Like, for the last few weeks, my I've, I haven't even had an iPad in this house because uh, I borrowed mine to my girlfriend. And I don't feel that as a problem in any way. Um, and the reason, the, the main reason why I think that that's interesting is as I was watching this keynote, I wanted to buy an iPad so bad. And, and I was considering going to buy an Air 2 because Steve Jobs was sitting on stage and I was like, yes, I can do all of that. I can sit in a seat like that and do my email. But like half an hour after the keynote had finished, like I finished watching it, that, that went away again because I started to think about the fact that I don't use an iPad. So like you can show me that there's a use for it, but I don't think that that personally, I don't feel that it's evolved over time. I think the original iPad introduction... It was fantastic showing us why we needed one. But I think as time has gone on, there are there are edge cases. I have the pleasure of talking to an edge case multiple times a week. <laughs> um, but I think for the majority of people, the iPad has not adapted uh, for, on from, from what the original introduction was. And of course, I disagree there. Uh, and not just because I'm an edge case, but because I think the numbers uh, speak for, for themselves. I mean, the iPad has been Apple's fastest selling uh, device, like ever. And yes, it's been slowing lately, but that, that also coincides with, you know, with Apple, not, I guess, not making, uh, you know, at least not telling a very compelling story about the device. And I think that, like, the way I see it, the iPad keynote, the original iPad announcement, for me at least, uh, it's like the last keynote of the old computing era. Like, there's before, not just about the iPad, but there's before this keynote and after this keynote in a way that, again, this is not strictly about the iPad, but also other companies and just, I guess, the industry in general. Uh, There's the iPad, I think, uh, started this kind of a massive change about just making everything mobile, even more so than what the iPhone did and what the original iPhone did. Uh, but just the like, maybe it's that maybe the iPad didn't exactly pay play itself a, a, a big role in this, and maybe or maybe it was just the iPad accelerated an an, an existing process. But after 2010, I think that people's workflows and like the way that people use devices like electronic devices and computers, it has shifted quickly to a mobile-centric kind of lifestyle. And for me personally, the iPad is, I mean, it's been a huge change uh, so much that I don't use a computer anymore except for doing this, like Skype every week. Uh, But the way that, like, what the iPad represents more than what the iPad is, I think it's important for me. Um, Because it it shows, like, these these tasks, these key things that Jobs talks about, uh, moving from computers to mobile devices, and yes, they've been moving already with the iPhone, but I think the iPad made a better example out of this transition from an era, from the old computing era, from spreadsheets and old computer stuff becoming new again on mobile on a mobile device. 
And the, I think, to Apple's credit, um, all, all these tasks uh, that were transformed by Apple into apps, like the spread, the spreadsheet becoming, you know, a multi-touch experience with numbers. Most of these apps that landed on the iPad didn't come to the iPhone until two years ago. So they were iPad only for a couple of years. And so maybe the iPad itself and iOS itself on the iPad is not a huge revolution. But what the iPad represents as a as a trend, as an overall change, I think that's massive. That that's been massive a massive change in this in the industry and a massive change in the minds of people. Uh, even if they don't actually use the iPad, uh, even though millions of people do, um, I, I think the message, the message is, is even more important than the, than the device. And the message that Steve Jobs is, is saying that we're now in a post-PC era, uh, that's even stronger than the practical benefit of the original iPad as a device. So I want to go back to something that you said right at the start, which was about uh, the iPad being the fastest selling device. Um, it, it's interesting to me. Uh, I know the fact is is true, but I I think that it's 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 kind of a misnomer because 2010 Apple was very different and it was the the biggest new product that they released. So um, I I don't really have much to say. Just I think that the, I think that that number for me doesn't necessarily tell anything. Because Apple from 2010 to now is very different to Apple previous. And I would say any new product that Apple releases will always sell incredibly well, incredibly fast. No, I'm not sure. That's what I mean. I, I'm not saying, like, I, I think about that. Like, I, I don't know where, I, I feel like I'm not 100% set in this. It's just something I, I ponder about. And I guess, really, the only way that we'll know is if the Apple Watch then becomes the fastest selling Apple device right. of all time. If that's the case, I, I think it would show something. Well, I think the iPad was able to do that. Uh, you know, it sold it sold quicker than the iPhone, but I think there are a couple of factors to that. I think one, the iPad clearly stood on the success of the iPhone. People understood what it was, what it was for, how it worked, and it was less expensive uh, in many cases, and didn't, there was no contract involved. And so, I think the iPad was sort of positioned to do that better than. Anything else? I think you're absolutely right. I think the watch is the next is the next thing in that line. Like MacBooks, Mac Pros, never going to do that. But I think if anything could, it'd be the watch. I don't think it will, um, but I think that that it's the next sort of uh, item in line that that could do it. Um, you know, I think I think to Federico's point, um, I think the iPad did change a lot of things. I think that it did lead this um, this push into mobile. Um, and there's something that, that gets quoted a lot uh, that Steve Jobs said um, at D8, which we opened with. Um, you know, the, this quote that's that's very well known and, and and like the intersection quote is brought up a lot. Is the tablet going to be eventually replace the laptop? Do you think there are a lot of people who say, well, you'll never do content creation on it, for instance. Talk about what you think, where it's going. Not just the I- iPad, but the tablet itself as a, as a form factor. You know, um, I'm trying to think of a good analogy. When, 
we were an agrarian nation, all cars were trucks, because that's what you needed on the farm. But as, car, as vehicles started to be used in the urban centers, and America started to move into those urban and then suburban centers, cars got more popular, and innovations like automatic transmission and power steering and things that you didn't care about in a truck as much uh, started to become paramount in cars. And now, probably, I don't know what the statistics are, maybe one out of every <clears throat> 25 vehicles, 30 vehicles is a truck, where it used to be 100%. Uh, PCs are going to be like trucks. They're still going to be around. They're still going to have a lot of value, but they're going to be used by one out of X people. And when you say PC, just so I'm clear, you're, it's not laptop. PC versus Mac. You mean... I mean personal, personal computers. computers, and you're including laptops and desktops. Yeah. Okay. And, and this transformation is going to make some people uneasy. People from the PC world, like you and me. It's going to make us uneasy because uh, the PC's taken us a long ways. It's brilliant. But, and we like to talk about the post-PC era, but when it really starts to happen, I think it's uncomfortable for a lot of people and because it's change and a lot of vested interests are going to change and it's going to be different. So I think that we're embarked on that. But I, I wonder... I wonder how that quote holds up because Federico, I, I, I hear what you say that the iPad has changed the way people think about computers. And I think that's absolutely true um, for a lot of people. But then I look around at my job and I look around at my, even my own personal use and the world still runs on keyboard on, on computers with keyboards and mice. And it still runs on desktops and laptops. And yes, Absolutely, there are people who can do it on tablet. You being the king of those people. Um, and I don't mean to say that to discount anything you've done. But I think that out in the real world, the iPad is maybe more of a philosophical change than an actual change. Uh, tablets aren't, even non-iPad tablets, tablets have not made a big impression in the workplace. And depending on how you look at the data, you know, may have made a big impact in education, but now, according to some people, are losing out to things like Chromebooks. And so, while I do think the iPad moved the bar, I don't think it's held its ground. And I don't think that in another five years, um, that my you know company of twenty people, like I don't think we're all like I don't think we're all going to be doing our work on iPads. We're still going to be doing them on laptops. And so, so I wonder. I don't think the cars and truck analogy is a bad one. But I think that it's one that that jobs either either it hasn't come true yet, which like I'm willing to concede that I, I could just be early in my condemnation of it, or something that he didn't quite get get right in hindsight. Well, see, even even you and me or the workplace, uh, we're just a fraction of the real world uh, because I. I recognize that what I do is a bit strange and uh, because most people don't want to work exclusively on an iPad. But even you and your job and maybe the people I know, we don't represent like the, like the world, right? We're just, we're just a small corner of this industry. And we, we cannot account for 
those stories of like entire classrooms switching to to iPads, or maybe you know, in in for for instance, in in developing countries, uh, kids and and you know people and again classrooms or maybe offices using iPads because they're so accessible and and cheap. I don't think it's happening in offices. Like I spend my day in and out of companies, but in America, far bigger than mine, and like. Only in America. Sure. But, like, yes, like, I will put that as an asterisk, that only in America. But in major corporations, like, it's not – the iPad, if anything, is supplementing the desktop, but it is not replacing it. And, and again, like, it might just be early. It might be that once iPads are more powerful or you can develop on an iPad, maybe it makes a bigger inroad. But – Currently, I think at best, the tablet is a supplement to the existing mostly Windows infrastructure that businesses still run on. And, 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 and like Jobs doesn't, Jobs doesn't mention businesses in this keynote. That's not, I mean, that's a new thing that Apple's trying to go after. But I think even, even that said, like with bring your own device, I don't think the iPad has spread much bigger than just the individual consumer and maybe education. What I'm trying to say is that because the iPad hasn't taken off in, in the business and, in, and the enterprise, it doesn't mean that the tablet cannot change the world. And, and with all due respect, it's not just referring to, to your office or to Mike's previous office, it's just in general. I think more than, more than anything else, this is the kind of change that comes from the bottom not from the enterprise, not from office managers deciding to use Windows or Chromebooks instead of iPads. I think it's a change from the people. It's a change of parents using iPads because computers are too complex. Or it's a change of kids growing up, playing games on the iPad, and eventually writing college essays on the iPad. And it's a change from a classroom in India using an iPad instead of a textbook. It's a change from, from people, not from office workers. And, and, I, and I genuinely believe that, not because I want to somehow justify my investment in the iPad as a, as a, you know, as a device that I, that I use. I, I think that, and again, it's not the iPad, it's, it's the tablet in general, the iPad being the, the kind of tablet that we happen to discuss. Uh, I think that the tablet as a touch device that it's portable and that it doesn't depend, you know, on a keyboard and all these other accessories and ports. I think that's a kind of change that that, that doesn't happen in, 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 in a business environment. It's a kind of change that happens in normal people, in casual people, and that gradually extends to businesses and offices. And... So one of the things that I saw in, in my in my previous company, um, the company didn't support iPads um, at least at that time, and that would be something that that I knew was was going to come, and they were going to like with the bring your own device thing that I spoke about, I have spoken about in previous episodes. But what I saw quite a bit of, and 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 there were always more people doing it. It wasn't lots and lots and lots, but there will always seem to be more people doing it, was to have an, an iPad that, with them that they took notes on. Like, and, and that seemed to be, it was never a prevailing thing, but the longer I was there, the more people I saw doing that. And so I agree with you, Federico, to a, to, to a point. Like, it is, it's something that these things, 
And it was the same with the iPhone initially and, and how the iPhone broke into the enterprise in the first place is these things come from a groundswell and it's like people start doing them. So eventually the company has to support them because enough executives decide that that's the way that they want to go. And that's where like the whole BYOD program comes from. It's, it's tablets as, as well as iPhones. But one of the, one of the, the big problems is, is they will most likely in, in, in most big companies, they, they may be used, but they'll only be used for, for some tasks, probably not all tasks, because I, I don't imagine a world where uh, legacy software is ever going to be ported to to the to iOS devices. So if a company uses some sort of legacy system to do something, uh, it probably will remain that way. Especially where Windows remains a prevailing architecture in an organization. Um, the most you're ever going to get is visualization. It doesn't work to to. It's not going to work in, at scale to to try and you know use Windows XP on an iPad via a VPN or or some sort of virtualization. But I I do agree that I think that as we go through into history, like. These, these a lot of tasks in these businesses will get taken over uh, by iPads, but I, I I don't imagine a lot of large companies being able to completely switch over ever. So what about the uh, what about the iPad itself? I mean, we're kind of talking about the tablet in general, but what what do the next five years hold for for Apple's tablet? I mean, you know, clearly there's some obvious ones: thinner, lighter. Uh, we've talked a lot about a bigger iPad on, on this show. But what what do you guys want out of the next five years of of iPads? More RAM. <laughs> yeah, amen, brother. <laughs> I feel like maybe uh, maybe Stephen, me and you should ask, and then and then we separate Federico's wants into a whole new podcast series. Uh, yeah, like for me, I, I don't, I can't quantify what I want from the iPad. I just know that I don't, I don't really use one enough, and and I don't know what 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 that could mean for me like i don't know what i could need to see that that the ipad becomes like this really important thing like if i could i don't know man maybe if i could genuinely believe that i could properly record podcasts on it like it could power like if maybe if we saw more uh lightning microphones you know so so we could have a really good quality microphone that's powered by the lightning port um, and that's something that could potentially happen. And then maybe if people, if there are more, there's more like really powerful looking software, or maybe if Apple decides to embrace podcasting in in the second renaissance that we're in, and and really and maybe make their own, maybe that's an app they could make, right? A podcast app. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know. I need. I think I just need for me personally. I need more uh, more places where I can practically apply an iPad to my life, where um, the Mac where it's better than the Mac and, and, and for a lot of those things I, I, I don't see because my iPhone does such a great job maybe I, maybe I need the my iPhone or my iPad to be more different in some way I think especially looking back at the keynote um, with a slide of a, of a MacBook and an iPad and an iPhone um, I think five years later looking back at that slide feels like it like it makes the iPad look not not as something that can be your only device, but something that comes after the MacBook and that's also before the iPhone in a way that you you cannot rely solely on the iPad. And sometimes, even though I don't use my MacBook, I still have to use my MacBook for some tasks. Tasks and. 
like five years later, I wonder how many people at Apple can work uh, only on an iPad. Or if maybe they still see the iPad as something that you use in addition to a MacBook. Um, so from the next five years of the iPad, I would like to see I would like to see Apple doing the kind of changes that can allow everyone to use an iPad as their only device. Just like an iPhone can be used as your only phone um, computer in your pocket. Because, I mean, you're not buying multiple phones. You're not buying multiple pocket computers. Uh, but today, you cannot do everything on an iPad. It, it's, still, it's still a problem. Um, I, I, shouldn't, I, shouldn't have to, I shouldn't have to use a Mac to record on Skype. I shouldn't have to use a Mac for iTunes stuff that Apple still hasn't brought to the iPad. I shouldn't have to use a Mac to listen to louder music because the speakers are better. And I shouldn't use a Mac be because it has more RAM or because it has more, you know, other like ports that let me connect accessories. So like, I get it. Uh, some, some tasks are exclusive to people like developers and power users. Um, but I think that the iPad still has plenty of room for improvement for, you know, for, for everyone, not just for people who do podcasts about Apple or who release apps on the App Store. Um, the iPads, it, in many ways, like, for me, it's been a massive change, but it doesn't mean that it, that it cannot get better. So it's still painful or often to switch between apps and have the apps lose your place uh, because they've been ejected from memory. Or the fact that I mentioned before that I cannot really go a full day without charging my iPad at least, you know, uh, once or a couple of times in the afternoon. Um, and, 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 and when it comes to, to the software, which is really, you know, the core of the iPad experience, Apple has been doing a lot of things with iOS 8 and letting apps communicate and, and all of that. But it still takes me it still takes me quite a few quite a few taps or you know manual switching between apps when I want to do stuff that on the Mac will only require me two clicks. Um, so my, my after five years um, like I'm thinking about the yeah, I'm thinking about myself first because five years ago I, I I launched a website about Macs and five years later the website is still there still the same name but I don't really use a Mac anymore because I work from the iPad so I have like this this sort of personal arc of like I'm going from watching the iPad keynote and today I work on my iPad so that's been nice. And that's been like cool to to witness, like the, the kind of the kinds of apps that that have been released on the iPad and all that. Um, but also have my questions and and hopes uh, for the iPad being granted. Is the has the iPad changed the world? Has the iPad changed the, the tech industry? Is the iPad can the iPad be a computer for everyone and for everything? And I think that. The question is no. That it, that's still that's still uh, work to do, and uh, so in five years, Apple has done has done a, a, a you know has has been 
releasing software changes and apps and hardware revisions that have done a, a good amount of work in, in that regard. Uh, the next five years, uh, I think it's the it'll be it'll be the hardest part for Apple to to do the remaining the remaining aspects of the iPad. Can it, can this become a real computer for everything and everyone? Not just not just the workplace, not just the casual user, and not just you know these kinds of apps and not just these kinds of features, just everything and everyone. And that that's still that's still up in the air. Well, that about wraps up this very special episode of Connected. I think the sad thing, guys, is we can't do this again for like five years. Oh, well, it depends because we can do five years of the iPhone 4. This year. <laughs> That's a good point. Let's just go we can for go that old. Next. Five years of Retina display this year. So We could do the 17-year uh, anniversary of the uh, Power Mac 8800. On that note, thank you so much to our sponsors this week, our good friends at Igloo, our friends at Automatic, and our friends at Linda. Thank you all for listening. Um, we love to put these episodes together, and we hope that you'll love listening to it as, love, as much as we love making it. If you want to find us online, there's a few places that you can do that. Stephen is freaking out in our group chat right now. Would you like to, just before I wrap up, would you like to correct yourself? There was no Power Mac. 8800. I'm sorry if I misled you. Okay, just thought I'd let you do that before you have to like is it uh do that is it seppuku the uh the samurai thing where you you like stab yourself yes. with your own sword? <laughs> <laughs> wow, nice one, Mike. Uh where can people find just can we just go back to the part before I said silly things? Of course we can. Uh we're all on Twitter. If you'd like to find Mr. Stephen Hackett, he is at ISMH and Federico's at the T-G-V-I-T-I-C-C-I and I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. If you'd like to find the mammoth show notes for this week's episode, point your browsing of the web application and go to relay.fm slash connected slash 24. And guys, you can hold it in the palm of your hands if you want to. If you want to find uh, our work in other places on the internet, uh, you can find Stephen at 512pixels.net, Federico at maxstories.net, and of course I have many more shows over at Relay.fm, and don't forget to check out Rocket, one of our new additions to Relay.fm. It's a great show shaping up to be very, very awesome to listen to. You should check that out. Thanks so much for listening to this very special episode, and we'll be back next time. Say goodbye, gentlemen. Arrivederci. Adios. All this power and this much fun and the internet in your hands, you'll never want to go back. So thank you so much for coming this morning, and we hope you love the iPad as much as we do. Thank you very much.